Terrence, what's up, my man? What's up, bro? How you doing? Solid. Yeah? What'd you do this morning? Um, let's <laughs> see. Well, I woke up at, what time was it? Uh, like 7.20. And then around, I think, 7.45, I was like, all right, I should go put something in my stomach. And maybe, maybe get a tea. I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably not get any caffeine in that tea, even though I wanted some caffeine. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I just woke up, but it's not good for your like voice or whatever, I guess. Right. So... It's like, yeah, I got to do some singing, so I should probably not get that. Right. Got some honey in there. I think it was hibiscus. Mm-hmm. I was like, I never, well, I, I think I've had it cold and like, I don't know, like a, not a Gatorade, but something similar. Had Probably had a flavor similar to it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. Um, then went back, just sat around for, you know, a little while. Called the PT spot for, because my back's jacked up a little bit. Um, called them. I was like, hey, uh. I had a mishap on Friday. <laughs> had to go to the, I had to go to ready med because like whatever's going on back there, like it's just like it was not kosher at all. It was like I'm going to stab you in the <laughs> lower part of your back. Um, Do you have a stabbing pain in your back? Yeah, that's what it was feeling like. Yeah, it was. It wasn't cool. Like I can feel. I can feel it right now. But it's like they're just like if it gets back to that point, then yeah, call us and like you know come in. But I what's mean, that from? Um, yeah, I was, I used to drive for FedEx. Like I don't, like I literally quit because of this, but I'm on workman's comp and I was, I was shutting the door on the back of my truck and I was like, I'm a smaller, I'm in a smaller box truck. So Mm -hmm. like you see the ones where they have the sliding doors up front, my door opens like a car door. So I have to get out, climb down, walk around, lift, lift up, you know, undo the hatch, lift it up. Perfectly fine. Were you delivering? Yeah, FedEx to houses and stuff. Yeah, it was like yeah. a fifteen footer. Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, about that size. Small one. And yeah, super small. And it's like just big in the back. Um, How long did you do that for? Hmm, let's see. I think was it two? It would have been three years yeah. in like August or September. And I was just like, yeah, my body's just like, nah, bro. Because I did this last year too, and I was I was lifting. So I, I used to do a route in Muscatine, Iowa. It's like 15, 20 minutes away. You want to let the listeners know where you're from? Oh, yeah. Uh, Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> right off the Mississippi River. They call it the Quad Cities for like Davenport, Bettendorf, Rock Island, uh, Moline. And then there's a bunch of others like East Moline. So those uh, are the four main ones that yeah. create the quad. Yeah. And you have born and raised there? Uh, I was born on an army base in Oklahoma, but... My family's from here. Like my mom, once she like had me and was discharged from from the birth, we moved back here. So, mm. so I mean, all I've known was here, like Davenport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Davenport. Yeah, we're not in Davenport. Yeah, about what three hours west of uh, here is yeah, Davenport. So yeah, about yeah. I've been once. I liked it. It was cool. Again, I was explaining earlier. It was back when May two thousand nineteen when the Mississippi overflowed. Yeah, it's it was. I felt really bad. Messed up that area. But it was a cool area. I really liked going up those hills, the old houses mm-hmm. along the river. Yeah. That was really cool. Oh, I wonder if you went into uh, McClellan Heights. Were they like super nice houses? Yeah. yeah actually, Very Victorian looking. Yeah. That, that I literally did that route. and Oh, you, you delivered for them? Yeah. Okay. And like there was some of those houses, there's like 30 steps. And mm-hmm. like they don't have a back driveway or anything that you can pull into. So you have to go up the steps. And like. And those are the type of people that are expecting premium delivery. Yeah. One, it's like I talked to a few of them. Like there was one that like 
I, I like, I'm not gonna lie, I Googled the guy because I'm like, okay, this dude's super cool. Like, let me see who he is, you know. Mm-hmm. And I Googled and I think he was just like a, like a vice president or something in the Quad Cities. But like, there was one day, like, I dropped off wine to him, like, probably like at least once every two weeks, but sometimes once a week. And like, this, I mean, this was during pandemic too. So I was like, sometimes I'm like, hey, you know, and I'm like setting the box down and stuff. And then he's like, hey, one second. And he's like, this is for you. So he like sets the wine down inside his door. And he's like, just set that inside if you can. Set it inside. And he's like, hey, you drink wine? I was like, I drink everything. Man. <laughs> if it's got alcohol in it, I don't care what it is. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, and it's like, I mean, most, like, honestly, most of the people that I met, they were all super chill. Like, Oh, cool. And it's like, it's funny because like, there were a lot of times where, like, not them, but so like people with Trump signs, like when when he was in office, like I didn't know how to take people because I didn't know them. So I was like, sometimes I was kind of worried because I'm like, there was so much, like even, especially after certain things were just happening, I'm just like, what do I do? I'm just going to do my job, you know, but like, I'll have to be cautious, you know, because I'm African American and I'm doing deliveries and some of these super, like, I mean, million dollar houses, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then there was like there was a couple incidents where I had to check myself because like the guy rolled up. He was he was he's a veteran. I knew that he's I mean, just looking at him and I think he had he must have had something on like on his self because he had a he had a MAGA hat on and he was walking his dog. And like I there was one house that like they had a flag and then the back window is like a Durango and the and the Durango faced towards where we would pull in. It was kind of like almost a, not a cul-de-sac, but just like one of those, it's like a one street in, but it'll have like 50 houses lined mm-hmm. up. And it's like mostly old people that live in them. But yeah, and it just houses. winds back and connects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then uh, the first the first house you see, the Durango's Trump stickers like facing a gated you. community? Almost, Pretty but with much. no gate. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And so- uh, like, I thought he lived there, so I'm like, oh, crap. Because just naturally, I see all of what he's wearing, and then I, I see those all the time, and I never saw any other Trump stickers or anything or, or anything in their yard. So I was like, oh, crap. He's, you know, he's going to come bug me. And he rolls up, and I was like, hey, how's it going? You know, just being being myself, naturally. And he's like, oh, you know, nothing's going on. And I was like, all right, that's cool, that's cool. Um. And then he was still sitting there, so I was like, can I help you at all? He's like, oh, yeah, I, I live right here, and I'm just waiting for my package. And, like, my head, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, dude. Like, this has me thinking that this dude was, like, you know, sitting here just watching me do my job or something. And, like, I'm at his – like, I'm delivering to his house direct, or I wasn't. I was delivering to his neighbor, but he lived – here instead of right here where I thought he did because mm-hmm. of what he was wearing mm-hmm. and I'm like I was disappointed in myself because I the way I was feeling I was like I, I put up this guard and like I was I wasn't on edge but I mean I was ready for him to say something aggressive or, or mm-hmm. act a certain way that's and, uh that's really interesting you say that because it's kind of a a different viewpoint a lot of people mm-hmm. always assume like if someone's you know a white Man, mega mega hat, you know, Davenport, Iowa. He's gonna be this, this, and that. Yeah. And you're the person who's just delivering the package, but because you're black, you thought one thing. And a lot yeah. of times, people are always assuming it's only one way. Only the gaze of a, of a white man can be 
you know, disingenuous or maybe mm-hmm. overthinking something or rude or, you know, not nice or racist or something. Yeah. I'm not saying you were, but right, right. you know what I'm saying? It's interesting that, like, I appreciate you saying that, being honest, letting mm-hmm. people know, like, it's a human thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a human thing to, like, prejudge. Mm-hmm. It only becomes exacerbated and, and, and exacerbated and, and, like, messed up when it's that power dynamic, when it is mm-hmm. about race, when it is about gender, when it is about sex, when it is yeah. about xenophobia, money. Um, you know, class wars, you know, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird, but it's like, I, I totally, I can't even imagine why you went to that place, but it's probably yeah. years well, of dealing with terrible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. Cause it's like, I like, and I, I, I mean, there's thoughts that I'll have sometimes, but it's like, I check myself all the, like, it's like when I see someone that looks a certain way, but then I'm like, you know, I'll try to flush it out. Like, I mean, it naturally comes and goes just because it's like. It's almost like society has us, like, something we don't know, we think we know, because if we see it on TV or we've ran into someone before that looks a certain, because if you're not talking, if we're not doing this, I don't know you, so my brain just, if it's if it's just passing by and there's, like, 50 mm-hmm. people around, it doesn't happen, but, like, I mean, there's times, actually, where I'll be, like, <laughs> like, my brain is just so weird, like, I would be delivering for FedEx, and if there's like one person sitting over there, like I would like, I would turn music off a lot just because I would get lost, and then I'm like, oh, I want to write a song because a melody pops in my head. Well, I got to turn my radio off because I'm getting distracted now. So I'd be driving down, you know, and I see this person, and it's like, it didn't matter what neighborhood, but I was like, oh, I know their backstory, like just by looking at them, and it mm-hmm. wasn't judging, but my brain would just be like, oh. That person's a paramedic and their day is off right now and they're just walking their dog and they, uh, you know, I'm just like my brain just runs with a backstory just mm-hmm. to make one up real quick. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know why. <laughs> like, you know, it seems to be something natural that we do. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of people say it's like social. It's a mm-hmm. construct. I've heard a lot of people say it's, you know, evolution. It's how we're, we're designed to have these patterns and schemas in our brain to make sense of the world. To me, it sounds like it's both. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, this is anecdotal. This is stuff I've heard from just living life and talking to people. Right. But it seems to be we have this hankering to do it naturally. And then because we, like, naturally gravitate towards putting stuff in categories to understand it. Yeah, yeah. To know, like, that is up. That is down. It is hot. I must wear less clothes. It is cold. I must wear more clothes. It helps us understand how to interface with things. Mm-hmm. With people, it, it probably was an old survival thing it's like you're not from my tribe Mm -hmm. i have to try to use as much information as i can from my experience to generalize what you might be just for my own survival just to Mm -hmm. be safe yeah now because things have gotten so complicated we have so many different types of ethnicities Mm -hmm. uh, belief systems religions financial situations um, fashion, clothes, so many cross fashions and cross genres of music you can't even generalize and something like oh that's a (laughs) that's a white dude he must wear you know, Apollo, yeah. and only listen to classic rock. It's like, not anymore. No. Like, between Spotify and YouTube, all that's changed. Like, anybody could be listening and doing and enjoying anything. Podcasting's helped a lot with that. Because mm-hmm. the listeners will hear in, hear people, they don't want to talk about something, and they'll, like, hit, it, you know, a note in their head. and like, oh, I never thought about that. Maybe I'll check this out. Mm-hmm. So the age of information's really starting to put, like, a, you know, um, jam up the gears of what we thought you should like generalize on things and i think right. it's great right it's great like just hearing you talk about like you you know generalizing some dude 
which you probably have all the right to do, to be honest. Well, well, but like, yeah, but it's just brain. natural. It's just natural. <laughs> yeah, like, you've exactly. been delivering to these people forever. Mm-hmm. And when you see something that's a little different, you're like, you only can go to that survival mechanism, like mm-hmm. that place where you're like, I don't know. And it's different for to be a black man in America. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's... And it's like, it's it's so crazy because like, there's been times where I know for a fact, like, because I, I grew up in Davenport, but I grew up like two blocks from the high school I went to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, predominantly black neighborhood, and like, like most of us didn't have money. Like we were super poor. And I mean, like my next door neighbor, I could tell you stories about his pit bull that bit bit people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I didn't see it full on, but I mean, just situations to where, like, I actually want to want to work on a project, which I probably will within the next six months to a year. Just like some spoken word poetry and stuff, and. Um, you want to tell the listeners what you do in New York? We, we, oh, we yeah. have not said anything. <laughs> I tend to do that a lot with these, where we just start talking, and they're yeah. like, who, who is this guy? So just introduce yourself oh. and who, what you do that way, what you're about to yeah. say can make more sense. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my name's Terrence Banks. Um, I perform under the artist's name of Soul True. Um, right now, it's myself and uh, Cadence Graham. She's just not with us today. Um, she plays piano, guitar, drums, bass, I think accordion, like, and she's one of those people that just can play everything fluently and like even if she's never played it before she could probably figure it out you know and uh, yeah I just do I, I sing soulful soulful music uh, to an extent play a little bit of acoustic guitar some electric like not proficient in keys right who me yeah no uh, no keys on me yeah but cadence plays okay. keys though um um but yeah um I rap, I rap on some of my songs too. So I mean, there's like, I got on Spotify and everything. There's like soulful hip hop songs, and then I have some acoustic tracks on there as well. Yeah, it's a nice, unique blend of like soul meets R and B meets like indie folk, like a little folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so weird because I never thought about it with the acoustic guitar, but like because I think there was the pro- the project like a, a wheeze on there, um, but like Bandcamp had done like I think it was October. It was like best of soul that month or something. I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't even realize, like, because I had obviously I'd submitted through their channels or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, someone tagged me like the day it released. They're like, Terrence, did you see this was on this pan camp thing? I was like, no, that's epic. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it's dope. But uh, how long have you been playing music for? Uh, I've been singing. I mean, I grew up in like church. So it was like, I mean, our, like, my earliest memory for sure of singing was, like, elementary school. Like, one of my uncles used to do the lead. Hold that thought. I'm going to turn my headphones down a little bit. Oh, you're good. I keep talking. Um, but, yeah, one of my uncles used to do the lead in, like, the church. Is, that, that, is your headphones quieter now? Sorry. No, we're good. But, yeah, we used to go to Progressive Baptist Church in Davenport. and Progressive that's yeah. what it was it called that is that like the genre of no like, that's what it was yeah it was, it was a baptist church <laughs> but it branch. was called yeah prog, co- called progressive um but yeah like my uncle used to do like the leads in church and uh it was just one of those things like i mean i gravitated towards music like like probably first day i can remember easily and uh like he just used to get up there and just do his thing and i mean just so much energy and just like everyone loved him and i mean he just he just had this spirit about him you know and like, like he was like a huge influence on me getting into music. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't start like writing or doing like poetry. Like I started doing poetry, like probably junior high. Mm. And I mean, cause there was a lot of stuff like he had passed away. I think we were, I don't know 
maybe like I was either fifth grade or like sixth grade. Like I wasn't that old, but he, um, which I didn't know he was gay. And then um, at some point he ended up contracting um, AIDS at some point and then he passed away from that. And like, I didn't like, there was never a conversation of like why he died or anything. And it was like, so it was like for a long time. I mean, probably until junior high to high school, I didn't even know. But it was like one of those things. It was like, I remember him being there. And then I remember like him getting sick. And then I remember him just like, I didn't even go walk up to like his casket when we were sitting there as a family because I couldn't because it happened so sudden and I didn't know what happened. And I mean, he was like a father figure because we would drive him to church all the time, especially like when he, as he, when he, got sicker but how old were you when this happened maybe elementary school like i think i think at at most i think it was elementary how did it how did that like um mesh with the church no like i don't i know homosexuality and christianity are not see, or any really religion they're not very uh i think i it's not looked as, highly upon well with as young as i was i don't think i saw all of it because i mean what it looked like from from my view, it looked like everyone loved him, and it's like I mean I'm sure there were people that didn't like that he was gay or was or, it was he out? Do people know? I I think so, but I can't I I can't because mm. I didn't I didn't even know he was gay until like maybe maybe when my mom told me how he passed because okay. I like I forced her to tell me and I was like you know what happened to Uncle Dino like why why did he pass you know but um but yeah I, I don't know. Like, cause that, I mean, that was one of those things I was just like being a kid and like, I mean, I, I liked church because of the music, but I never, like, I mean, my mom like was a hardcore Christian. And I mean, now like she's more lax about things and everything. But back then, I mean, it was like, it was every Sunday with the Bible study and, and, and children's church. And then like Wednesdays and Fridays, I think. And I mean, it was just at some point it got to be too much for me. Cause I'm just like. Why are we always here? Why, you know, before I go outside to play, after I come back in, you know, before yeah. we go to school, like, and then it was like, we could only watch like religious films that we had. And there was only so many of them. And we had, I mean, we had probably Which most Because I grew up very similar oh fashion. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, like there's movies that I can remember. Well, how old are you? Uh, 33. Oh, so we're going to be, I'm 31. Yeah. yeah so we're, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. So, uh, like. The, the, uh, not, what's it called? I'm going to think of something. You keep thinking okay, of them. Oh, well, uh, well, there was like, okay, I remember there was like, uh, I'm trying to see the donut, the donut, the talking donut. Do you remember that thing? Mm, I don't know if I saw that one. <laughs> like, I know, I know everyone saw like Veggie Tales and stuff. Well, Veggie Tales, I mean, yeah, that's, everyone, but, um, that's legendary. <laughs> but we, like, there was a company that my mom like ordered the religious movies from. Yes, me too. And then, so they had but, all those Buttercream? No. Oh, Buttercream Game. Buttercream Game? I think, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> The one, yes. wasn't there one where the kid, like, there was the one kid that got in trouble and he, wasn't he, did he get sent to Chicago or like I a New York? No, so It was but, always some lifelong lesson to yeah. be learned. It's so corny. But a cream game, man. No, dude. Uh. For real. And then it was, because I mean, we had, we had those and then there was a ton of those and then. Um, the left behind stuff. Yeah, the yeah. left behind yeah. scares. What was the one with the, the cartoon that would talk, the guy would draw it. Man, there's so many. That's what I'm saying. Because like. And now that you're saying stuff, like I'm like the heyday to the '90s was like the heyday of like 
direct VHS corny cr- mm. Christian <laughs> movies that you'd watch with your, you know, at church Sunday yeah. school. And I think some, like some of it wasn't that bad. Like no. some of it, you're like, this, this is solid. Mm-hmm. And it was because like the Buttercream Gang, they weren't just like full on like throw it in your face Christian yeah. all the way through or like a story of Jesus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And but then like there was the cart, there was like a cartoon series too. Like like there was like it would break down like. Abraham, Isaac, and you know, just story to story, and mm-hmm. they're like half hour long tapes and stuff. Um, what was that really dark one from like the eighties? It was a cartoon about mm-hmm. this guy's journey through like life. It's it it brought up the you know the the sword you know of sort of truth mm-hmm. breastplate breastplate of righteousness, righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, belt of. Whatever. I'm rusty on Helmet something. of whatever. Oh, man. You know what I'm talking no, about? No, and the guy I, yeah, like yeah. used these things yeah. to like fight off like Yeah, because it was the armor. I can't remember armor what they break. Armor of the spirit or I don't Cause know. Because I think it was the time. armor and then they broke down yeah. every section yeah. of the armor to be something. Mm-hmm. I can't, yeah, I can't. <laughs> oh, man. But then, but then, yeah, there was like, then there were like the adult versions, which I mean, like there would be like this, uh, man, what is that one? It might have been like, Abraham or something like it was like one of their names and I mean it might have been like Laura Flynn Boyle or something was in one of these I know for sure like one of those ladies I'd have to I'd have to google Mm -hmm. it but I think she was in the one that I'm trying to think of and I mean it was just like they would full on like they're out filming in like a desert and like they're living in the tents or like these houses that were like they looked like you were in those time frame like Mm -hmm. in the cartoons when you see them they made these to where they looked exactly like in these cartoons. And you're like, man, like it is dusty and like nothing, you know, the ground's nothing but dirt. And, mm-hmm. and like they're washing themselves in the river. But then like you're watching the story play out. I think it was, I think it was Abraham. And it was like he had married, I think, uh, oh, who was it? Because one of the ladies, she was barren. She couldn't have kids. So, but then I can't remember. She was like the older what was it? She was the He married the older sister, but he wanted to marry the younger sister, but the dad made him marry both of them. John Blanks on name Sarah? Yeah, I th- I think it might be Sarah. I it might be Sarah. It's been a long time since I yeah, heard these stories. Cuz it might have been I'm trying to think because it might have been Cain and Abel's Was it Cain and Abel's moms? Wouldn't Cain and Abel's mom be? be oh, no, uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking. Of wouldn't that be uh, Adam and Eve? Eve. <laughs> yeah, I'm, th- I'm trying to because my brain's drawing a who? Who is it? Dang it! This, I know it's been a long <laughs> time. I'm trying to think of these shows and t- there were so many movies and I wa- TV shows. I, I want to say like Family First films or something yes, like that. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. But yeah, like those films, I grew up on them. Like, oh yeah, and like we didn't even I think I blocked them out of my mind because I was like so over it. <laughs> That and like WTTW, like that's all I was allowed to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, no, we didn't have cable. Oh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't see, either. When, we didn't either. If I saw a PG thirteen movie, it had to be approved by parents first. Yeah, even at thirteen or fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, because we, you know, the only like the only time like so my my mom had I think 
15 brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah. My God. Like, I don't even know my dad. I'm like, I don't have room for that side of my family. <laughs> I feel you. My mom had 11 brothers and sisters. So yes. In yeah, this house. And, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I feel you. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, because one, we're in that, that, we're that age group too. Like that's when everyone was having a bunch of like 10 yeah, kids. Like, I don't have any. or none. You know? Yeah, I got, I got two. So. Yeah, two. Yeah, I got, I got none. And I'm like, man, I, I can't imagine having 10, 11, eight kids. Like by the time my grandma was my age, I think she had already like six or seven kids. Jeez. Yeah, and I mean that's still like I mean it's like that's not a ton, but it's like you get above five and you like that's a lot of kids. Has four. I'm just like, <laughs> what do you do with that? There's two of each. Like I think that's enough. It's right. a, it's a very uh, it was a very old. It still is, but a very old Christian way of doing stuff. You know, you don't believe yeah. in contraceptions. You don't. Every child is a, a blessing. It's a mm-hmm. gift. You know, yeah. it's life. It's. It's spirituality coming, you know, to fruition through people. It's mm-hmm. there's a lot of reasons behind it, whether or not those are sound logical reasons. That's right. debatable, but I know why people did that a lot. Of, and also, people didn't live as long, you, you know, yeah, 100, 100 years ago, kids were dying left and right, right? Usually, like young age, you know, moms died too in birth. So mm-hmm. it was a different time. But now, between people like realizing the resources we have, the education, financially, how expensive it can be to try to give a kid a proper life mm-hmm. you know you can definitely live paycheck to paycheck and not do too many extravagant things but if you want your kids to have good teeth good eyes yeah. good health good education maybe play some sports play some instruments it costs yeah, a lot of all, money yeah all that to yeah. do it well it costs yeah. money tutor they need help they're weak in math they might need some tutoring got to pay mm-hmm. someone 30 40 bucks an hour to come in and do it yeah and that's not it's not cheap <laughs> and uh but we didn't grow up with that you know like mm-hmm. i needed tutoring tutoring with stuff and it just wasn't there, so I just didn't get it. Yeah, tr- yeah, because trust me, like like where we grew up, I mean, there was there was that neighbor with the dog, and then the other side it was a neighbor that worked at Wonder Bread, and I mean, like just I'm just like it was two total opposites. What neighborhood you grew up in? Um, well, it's just it's it was uh, Scott and Eleventh Street, like, and it's funny because like right a, a street down, it's called Gain Street, and like like I. It's one of those things where you grow up in a neighborhood, but you don't under you don't real like you know the things that have happened in your neighborhood, but you don't realize that this doesn't happen in everyone's neighborhood. Give an example. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me because there's a few. So like let me. Mm, all right, which one do I want to give? Because there's some like there's I'll give I'll give a few of them like, like whatever you want. So all right, so my neighbor to the left of us. Like and this is like this come get dark for some people, especially the animal lovers. Um, so like this dude, he had this fence and it was like you know it was just like a chain link fence, and you know it was like maybe like four foot tall, maybe maybe a little higher, and he had like I think this mulberry tree and it like grew in between the fence, and I think there was like an old fence partially still there too, so it like had the extra, you know, balance to the tree and the tree was just not moving. Well, he had, um, it was like a boxer pit bull brindle mix or whatever. And like, I would come outside, you know, kicking it. And like this, this dog, like, I mean, 24 seven, no matter what's going on, this dog's outside, this dog's energy level is just through the roof. Like you would watch that dog jump up. There's a branch probably maybe two, three inches higher than the actual fence, and it would just grab the branch and just, like, you would watch it. Like, when you watch a video of a, of a pit bull or something lock jawing like a rope and just swinging around having fun, well, this is that dog's fun. And, like, 
that dog, like, I didn't go on that fence. Like, I mean, I used to go on that fence when we were younger, but once he got that dog, like, we were probably, like, junior high or something. Well, like, I remember, like, our house, like, my great-grandma, I think, grew, or my, yeah, my great-grandma grew up in that house. So it was, like, a super, like, it's an older house. And, like, so the walls are, like, pretty thin still and everything. Well, then, like, you could hear him, like, beating this dog with a two-by-four. Like, I mean, like, you would hear it. And it was, like, it's one of those things you're, like, that doesn't seem right, but I'm a kid. And also this neighbor, like, was selling drugs and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, like, so, like, it's one of those situations. And it was, like, it was it was a messed up situation to be in because it was, like, you, you understand that this isn't right. But then you're, like, well, what can I do? I'm a kid. And, two, I grew up with that so I don't even like it's I, normalized to you yeah right? it's like I think it's wrong but it's not my dog but then what like what did your mom say about it I mean it was it's just one of those things like I I don't know like <laughs> she never said like that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. like, and like she's like she's schizophrenic and bipolar so that probably paid, played a role in it mm-hmm. somewhat but um, like it, I think it was just one of the I think on her end too it was just like cause he was he was a nice person to us. Like we didn't see this, like, like we would hear him yelling or fighting and stuff inside of his house, obviously. Cause like he obviously wasn't a hundred percent good person mm-hmm. because he's doing certain stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to, like the dog thing was really a big thing for me, but I'm just like, what do I do? Like my neighbor, even though he's not scary to me, if you're beating a dog and I hear you arguing with your wife and I don't know if it's, physical or not because i can't hear that much but i can hear you beating your dog with a two by four but then you're like hey if y'all need something hey y'all y'all need something just come over and ask like yeah it's kind of this like that's so confusing um, as a kid exactly and it's just like he like i literally never saw this dude like do certain stuff like i never saw him beat his dog but then i'm just like you would see his dog and like this man like couldn't let his own his his own children he had to hold his dog back like this dog did not like there was and it was so messed up because there's two dogs. There was there was the the evil dog and then there was this other one that I shit you not never barked in its life. Hmm. Like I mean like you didn't even know that dog was there unless you actually saw the dog and that dog was always sitting there. But it was almost like that dog was never there because this one's just so mm-hmm. active for the both of them. Mm-hmm. But like I would watch this dude try and let his own kids in. And the dog would try and attack his kids. Like, it was... And, I mean, his... Like, literally, his kids were there. Like, I mean, they weren't... Obviously, some of them weren't old enough to be there before the dog was. So, the dog, you know, couldn't grow up with them. But the dog wasn't there to to be a pet. It mm-hmm. was there to protect what was yeah. inside the house. And I'm just like, holy crap. Well, I remember... This, this had to have been maybe... I don't know, maybe eighth grade or whatever mm-hmm. and they ended up putting the dogs down well this neighbor which now that i think about it so he had like a wooden banister put in you know to get up and down the steps because there's like there's like sidewalk after you get out the car past the little grass there's a sidewalk and then there's like four or five steps up and then there's a fence and then like you have to open the fence like you have to step a step down a step just to open the fence all the way well, instead of putting the mailbox at the bottom, which makes sense, like I'm like, hey, even like I'm not condoning anything you do, but it's like you know your dog's an evil dog that you forced to be that way. 
it bites people. We know this at some point because I'll get to some of the situations where I didn't see exactly, but I know for a fact someone get bit. Well, he put it on top of the fence where the dog couldn't jump out, but it could get its head over the fence. So you get too close to that fence, it can bite you. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, I would sit there, sit on my porch, being a kid, teenager, whatever, sit there and watch the mailman have to time it. Like, and I mean, like, it's if there's a situation for for a male person to call something in about a, a dog that's not out of the cage, but it's trying to attack him, it's this. And I mean, literally, sometimes it would take him 30 seconds because he knows the dog at this point. He just, mm-hmm. he knows the tendency of, all right, blah, 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 going to jump. Okay, there we go. And then just time it. But I mean, I've seen it where the dog almost bit him. Mm-hmm. And then my since my mom was in the National Guard still after she got discharged, I think, on my birthday from the army and then she had stayed in the national guard for a while um but we were we were with a relative that lived a few blocks away for i think she was on her um her two-week setup for just training or whatnot and uh they always watch the news the like probably five o'clock or six o'clock whatever time news came on and they're like you guys neighbor's dog bit the mailman and I guess I don't I don't know the details because I don't remember for sure, but I think she said the dog got like a thumb or like, like something like fully bad, bad. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they put both the dogs down, which makes sense. But was that dog? One. Did that guy have that dog trained? Because you said he sold drugs to like kind of yeah. protect him. Yeah, he didn't have it trained. He just like he beat that dog to the point where it was only scared of him. Ah, uh, so it would just kill anything that came near for protection, but not him. Yeah. Yeah, like, that, that's a very common thing yeah. amongst trying to protect yourself, like having a, a pit bull, Rottweiler, mm-hmm. German Shepherd. Yeah. They're very strangely, like, they got one one master, one owner. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's my thing. I think it was just, it was to the point that it, like, I mean, that dog had to have a lot of trauma. I mean, because as many oh times God, as yeah. I heard him beating that dog, and I mean... Like, I'm sure, I, I'm sure there were injuries that I never saw, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I mean... The heart of me, like, I wanted to do something, but I'm like, this dude's a scary freaking person. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of what he shows me, what he doesn't show me is the scariest thing. Because if you don't have a heart for an animal like that, and mm-hmm. that's what you think, you obviously have some sort of mis- mental issue yourself if you don't give a crap about something you paid for. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd seen this dude freaking trade. Like, I, I saw puppies that I only saw once in my life. That he, you know, traded rims or whatever for. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen transactions, and I'm like, I was like, oh, is that a, you know, I've seen, like, blue nose and red nose pit bulls that I saw one time. Mm-hmm. And he had those two dogs in there, and then you're like, oh, where'd that puppy go that you yeah. just, and I'm like. Use it as currency. Yeah. And I'm, one, of my, I mean, my thing, I'm just, I just assumed he was purchased. I mean, he, don't get me wrong, he could have sold the, the puppy or whatever, but my thing was, I think he was just trying to get another dog in there but i yeah. that dog wouldn't allow another one <laughs> was that the only like neighbor around you that had like dogs like that i had others but like they weren't they weren't on that like they didn't none of them like dog fought or anything mm-hmm. it so was just was, like they had pets okay because it was like we had there was like one neighbor that had like a rottweiler that like like they had her pretty trained like i mm-hmm. mean if you took off running as a kid they're like don't run because he's not, you know, he thinks you're playing. Yeah. And he's a Rottweiler. So it's like if he thinks you're playing, he might tackle you. Yeah. Um, and then others had, you know, they just had their pet. Their, I mean, most of them probably had like Rottweilers and like pit bulls and stuff. And then like some of the some of the other neighbors might have had like little yippers and stuff. But, yeah, he was like 
I always tell people, I was like, you can't find me. Like, I mean, when I when I worked for FedEx, like, I was never scared of anyone's dogs because I know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I know any dog can bite you, but I also, you know. Your threshold was high. Y- yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, unless you, like, lunge at me or something or, or like, I mean, I'm, I'm cautious because, I mean, if you're a big, if you. If you're a boxer, like boxers are big dogs, mm-hmm. and like there was one, there was one like super rich, rich setup that I delivered to, and like I mean, literally, their driveway was like a hundred feet, and then like you walk up to their front porch, and you're just like, like, because they always like every holiday they had like, I mean, they would have like five foot tall nutcrackers, mm-hmm. and I mean like there was, but there's like four or five of them, and then there's just a bunch of other stuff, and I'm like every time I would walk up, I'm like. I would think of Christmas because I'm like, you couldn't see inside their house, but it was like they had like crystal or or just, you know, just super nice windows. And like, you're just like, I can only imagine you walking in and there's a big ass Christmas tree, which just like, like almost like Home Alone when, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when all those presents yeah. were just. The, sec- the second Home Alone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. So like, did growing up in that situation, when did you like, did you ever. When did you first leave that Mm. neighborhood? (sighs) Like, I mean, so with my relatives having so many of them and my mom being in National Guard and then, like, even, like, when their, like, schizophrenia was starting to kick in more, like, we would would go over to Rock Island a lot. I mean, it's, like, there's, like, the Centennial Bridge and, like, a few other bridges we have. It's, like, and, like, we lived close. We weren't downtown, but we were probably, like, three blocks from the downtown, like, this hill. Mm -hmm. And, uh. My grandma and like pro- like most of my relatives grew up in Rock Island. Like all my aunts and uncles, I think except for maybe one or two, grew up in Rock Island and went to Rocky. And then at some point, we just moved into my uh, the house my grandma owned after her mom passed. Um, so I mean, we kind of we would kind of go to Rock. Like I kind of grew up in Rock Island and Davenport, so it was like. Going to Rock Island was like and staying with family was kind of a little vacation to me, mm. and it was like, I don't know. There was like like some of my relatives lived in like not so great neighborhoods too, but I mean it wasn't like ours wasn't much different. I just had that one neighbor that made this experience just so drastic. Like I would hear gun, like I grew up hearing gunshots and stuff, and and I mean I've even had you know relatives where like someone did a like they didn't do a drive by to hurt one of my relatives but it was like one of my cousins I think or something was like one of her best friends was like in a gang or something mm. and uh, were gangs prevalent where you grew up I mean yeah we we have we have stuff there I mean it's not like not I wouldn't say like Chicago level but I mean yeah. it's it's definitely I mean it gets worse every year for us too because I mean people will sit there and like like when you when you Go to the news, you know, read the read the Facebook news posts and everything. People are like, oh, all these people from Chicago. No, dude, like, they're like I like I worked at a Burger King. Put in, put I'll put this. Worked at this Burger King across from North Park Mall in Davenport, which is like our main mall that we have. And I worked there like three, four different times. Just like if I was in between jobs, because I was a good worker, so like they'd hire me back. Like even if they knew I was only gonna be there two months, they would hire me back. You know. And there was one day, like, I had this scar. Um, I, I'll tell tell about Texas at some point. Um, but the but the lady saw my scar above my eye. And she's like, oh, how'd you do that? I was like, oh, it was an accident that I got into in Texas. I'll tell you about it sometime, I, which I don't even know if I got to it. 
and she's like, she's like, oh, that's cool. And she like pulls up her sleeve, I think it was. And I was like, um, that's either a bullet hole or you got stabbed. She's like, yeah, those little BB guns hurt a little bit. And I was just like, BB guns. Yeah, like she was she was just downplaying being shot. And like it was just like this most genuine thing. Like she just kind of had to play it off because, you know, people that have trauma, like, or you know, you go through something and like you've lived to tell the story and you're like, you know, you're you're over it or you you know whatever. You make fun with it. Yeah. 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 Cause you're taking that from the negative to yeah. try and put it positive best you can. Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, she's like, I had that one, and she's like, I hit got in a different situation. And neither of the situations was she the target. Like, it was either a drive, but she didn't go into detail, but she was up from, moved from Chicago to live there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. never in my, never once in my life have I even questioned where she was from, like anything negative from her. And I'm just like, and reading, and I mean, there were like three other people that worked there that, and they all knew each other. And I think they were from a certain like neighborhood that, and everything. And I'm just like, and like we were just having a moment of them just talking about, you know, back home and like not in detail or anything, but just, you know, just telling me stuff that I don't know about Chicago. Cause it's like, I mean, it's like you watch the news and like you see some of the negative stuff, but I mean, it's like, I also grew up in a rough neighborhood. So I'm like, I know that behind the scenes of what, what they say something like, like I had friends dropping me off in at home and they're like, you live here? Like, they weren't being judgmental. They just were, like, like, I've always been articulate, and, like, we always had hand-me-down clothes, so I I never I never dressed the way that, like, I would always wear button-ups and stuff because it was, like, some of my, like, my cousins, I just, I loved their style. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, like, I mean, I would wear FUBU, and I would wear, like, like, baggy clothes and stuff, too, but, I mean, I never, that was never really my style. Like, I, you know, you just pick it up over time. And so I never dressed that certain way, and I and I didn't speak like my brother. Like, you could talk to my brother right now, and like he's done like twelve years in prison, and like how old is he uh, compared to you? I think he, he sh- what's he thirty? Oh, be, he's younger. Yeah, it'll be twelve years. Yeah. What did he go right when he became an adult? Well, <laughs> pretty much, and Holy like and, and like he just he, I think uh, I think he had like a, a learning disability, and then like. However, they say like behavioral disorders and stuff, and like we like we have different dads, and it's like oh. I think that his genes to an extent, because I mean it's like you meet you meet his dad's other sons, and I mean they're all like they all have something that is just like mentally, it's just like I don't know, like they get it's almost like they have rage, predisposed like, or, to it genetically, yeah. and then maybe their environment. Yeah, just really yeah, brought it yeah, out. Exactly, exactly. So, but you're you're both very different because you have the same mom but different dads. Yeah, and then, yeah, mm. and I mean it's and it was crazy because I mean like like and all it was it was he would steal all the time. I mean even when we were kids it was just like and like we were on food stamps and everything and I'm just like like my mom would give us like I remember the booklet and she's like you know rip some out and it's like hey go get some milk at the the gas station or whatever we were get mm-hmm. and then here's some for you guys to get some candy and a soda or whatever you want to do. What, just you two? You're yeah, bro- just two brothers. Yeah, because I was old. I was old enough for us to you know get around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and plus, I mean, it was only a few blocks away, so it wasn't too far. Um, but yeah, like we would go in place, and there were times where we were older, like like maybe like you know like sixth grade, and he's like fourth grade or something. And I'm like, hey, 
We're going in here. Mom gave me stuff for us to buy something. Don't steal anything. Like, before we went in there. Like, I'm being an adult in the situation trying to tell you don't get us in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do anything, you know, to get us in trouble. What what sparked that in you? If if Him? Like, I mean, literally. So his bad behavior made you want to be a better person? Like, to try to be more on top of stuff? Or, like, what made you not? steal stuff if you grew up in the same situation. I mean, situation. well, and that's the thing. It's like, I I did, like, I think the last time, because I, I did, I did steal a few times. I mean, it was just, I think it was unavoidable because it was like I saw something and I, I wanted it and we couldn't afford it, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I just... You, it's also it's, normalized, yeah. you know, at, in those areas, low-income, working class, mm-hmm. off, off the grid, yeah. you feel no one's there for you anyway, so right. you're just kind of... I mean, I know it too, and in... I didn't have nearly as hard as a situation and I'm familiar with that feeling yeah. and that, that type of mentality. So, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and, but yeah, it's just like, like I remember the, la- I think the last time I remember consciously like stealing something mm-hmm. was like, we had this place called Eagles. It's like a, just like your local grocery store or something. And, uh, I remember there was like, this was back in the heyday of Pokemon, Pokemon. And it was like a fruit snack container. And they were like, Oh, like one in, one in 12 chances of getting, like, a certain card or whatever. And, like, I was, like, looking around. I'm, like, I'm going to steal this Pokemon card. And it's just, like, opened it up. And I took the card out. Well, I'm in, like, the – I took the box to, like, the 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 fruit and vegetable area. <laughs> and, like, so it's, like, there's nothing hiding me. Like, if mm-hmm. a worker's right there, they're going to see me. And it's, like, especially, like, I'm trying to hurry up. So I'm not thinking. I'm just opening it up, take the card out. And the guy's, like, hey, what are you doing? I'm, like. He's like, where are your parents at? I was like, oh, they're not here. They're at home. My mom and my aunt are in the grocery store shopping. Aww. So I, I run out and I get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, he didn't he didn't go after me. over. Like, right. it's one of those situations where he probably watched where I went and watched me get in the car and then he just left it at that. Yeah. But so I'm just like. kid was like, yeah. called it a day. Yeah. And it's just like, and then that's when I'm like, nope, nope. I mean, like. You got scared and you're like, you know what? Scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then like my brother just never, that, that part of him just never happened. It was just like. He never had that fear. Yeah. And I mean, and that's my thing. Cause I had friends that like up until even like high school, like would go to the mall and like full on just like knew how to steal shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's just, like, it's my friend. I'm not going to, like, tell on them. Like, I'm just, like, you know, whatever. Because, I mean, it would be, like, CDs and, like, certain shit. Dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah, stupid, stupid stuff. And uh, so, but it was just him. He was never, and that was the thing. He he was never smart about it. It's like, I'm not I'm not condoning doing something bad. But I'm, like, it, like it's, like, if you're going to be a thief, either make it worth being a thief <laughs> or, like, at least be smart. Like, yeah. I'm a dude that loves law and order. Like, I, I, like I used to want to be a detective and stuff and, like, because I didn't want to be, like, a cop. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Being a cop, I have an uncle that was a cop and stuff. So, you know, there's good people out there. But at the end of the day, like, I was just, like, nah. Like, I want something more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I was, like probably like in more control than just like a, a regular police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at some point I think just music just kind of just, no, I can't do that. You know, but, um, I lost my, lost my focus. <laughs> Your brother. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you would tell him when you go into a grocery store, like don't do it. And he'd, he'd do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just didn't, it didn't make any sense to him. Like, I don't like, and that's my thing. I don't like, I never sat down with him. Like, 
Because it's like there were times where it would, but he would shut down. And I mean, me, like, even to this day, I still have issues of, like, shutting down. And, like, especially, like, like if me and my lady are getting in an argument or if there's something I really don't want to talk about, I will literally just shut down and I won't even talk. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's like, I know it's there, but it's just like, it's like without going through therapy to like fix those issues, it's like, cause that costs money. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And and you also have to t- have time and it's like, and that's what sucks. But isn't that, isn't that messed up though? Like it is therapy's great. And I, I have nothing but, you know, respect for people who choose to go through mm-hmm. it that, that might need it or at least curious about it. But if you don't have money and insurance, then what? Yeah. Like, you, you it's a can. luxury. Mm-hmm. Like, every person I know that has gone through therapy and loves it and done it and, and has done it enough, um, they usually have some type of some type of money, some type of income yeah. or their parents did or something. And everybody I know who's been very broke, low income, poverty line, they're like, therapy? The yeah. heck? Like, I got my therapy. It's... School of Hard Knocks. It's, right, right. <laughs> maybe I'll commit more crimes. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Like, what else am I supposed to do? Like, who, no one's there for me. Yeah. There was no doctors to help me. Like, that vocabulary is not even there for yeah. people like that. And uh, it's unfortunate. Therapy, mental health therapy, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. You know how many times someone who's, you know, low income gets hurt and then they just have, like, a messed up issue for the rest of their life because they didn't yeah. go through physical therapy. Yeah. You know, they broke a, f- a wrist, and they're like, ah, it's fine, because they've been used to just fending for themselves. Yeah. They didn't realize you should get it casted, go through these steps, see a physical therapist. In six months, you're probably fine. Yeah. No, they just, like, ah, it's fine. They just put it a splint on it. They still used it, and they have a, you know, a game wrist for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it scales up in the quality of, like, how to take care of yourself with yeah. money. Money is longevity. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be, but it is. And it takes an investment and education to know how to take care of yourself physically, mm. mentally, emotionally. And then those three com- combine and whatever, whatever you believe in, it might add up to a spiritual health, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And like what you're saying, like you break down that, I mean, I mean, you're 33, it could be 33 years of that dog getting hit by a two before yeah. your brother going to prison for 12 years at, mm. as a kid, probably. You know, your mom, you meant you mentioned those mental health um, situations and your dad, you said, wasn't around. Like, that's heavy. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. but it, That's heavy. And I don't mean to bring it up. No, no. Any it's, other way, just no, it's fine. To highlight what you've already said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's heavy, man. Yeah, it's and I mean, it's like a lot of it comes out in my music because music for me, like, like I did choral music up until like elementary for us because I mean, I know there are some schools out there that it's like full-on choral music in, like, elementary because, like, you know, like, there's just schools like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it's just, like, music class in elementary and then, like, you know, a little bit more serious at the junior high that I went to. Um, and then, like, high school, like, like the high school I went to, like, Allstate for vocalists and, like, like, our music program, like, orchestra and band, like, they were a really good program. And I remember, like, my senior year when I made Allstate, um, we sent maybe like 10 kids in the vocalist. And I mean, the, the choir can't remember. It's like either 800 or 600 kids. And I mean, like we sent like 12 from or 10 to 12 from our school. And that was just the you choir. Were yeah. Yeah. You were in both. No, I was just in choir. choir. Yeah. So uh, you, yeah. You did that all through junior high and high school. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, me, cause me singing, I mean, me singing started for sure in like elementary, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was just singing. Right. And I mean, that's, that's how I learned how to sing was like by imitation. Did you have any lessons or anything? No, no. See, and, like, that's another thing. Like, what if you, you had wealthy parents yeah. that inv- saw that ability in you at, mm-hmm. what, 10? 
Yeah. And they started paying for, you know, hundred hour lessons from someone. Yeah. Imagine like not that you can't get to those places naturally, but you'll you'll pass up five five to eight years of trying mm-hmm. in yeah. one year of someone who really knows what they're doing, teaching you and keeping that discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the beauty of a proper lesson, tutoring, education is like, yeah, you could read books and do trial and error and just try stuff in life and figure it out. Yeah. But an edu- a proper education, a proper mentor fast tracks so much. Yeah, you can yeah. bypass all the mislearnings and all the improper techniques. Yeah, because you ask questions or, or they can They just correct. know. They, yeah. s- they might have 20 years of experience. They'll see your breathing like, no, that's not right. Do yeah. this. Because once you learn the wrong breathing and you get this it's hard to, to re- what wires mm-hmm. together, fires together. To relearn that in your brain is not easy. Well, and, um, and that's the crazy thing because like, um, like it, it sucks that I didn't, but at the same time, like, like literally I have an exact story. Like, so I didn't come out of my singing. Like I, I knew I could sing and I could hold a note and all that s- situational stuff. Like, but I learned even choral singing, like, like, alleluia, alleluia, all that stuff. Like I learned by listening and, and being in, in the classroom. Or church. Yeah. But it but it was like our stuff was like gospel and like soul. Mm-hmm. And it was like completely different. We're we're up there singing like, you know, Catholic hymns and stuff like you know, in that realm of music. And I remember it was like the it was the the choir singers, like the people that were only in choir and then like the orchestra kids were it was just the two groups. And um I'm singing and I'm thinking I'm like sharp or flat or whatever because some of the girls kept turning or some of the altos kept turning around and I'm like crap so I kind of you know I go down in my tone and stuff and then volume because I'm like all right my sharp flat what am I doing because there wasn't like a smile or like I couldn't tell I, one way or another well then when my, when my volume went down they're like no no they turn back around they like, keep singing you know I was like oh I'm doing good so I you know I you know I'm like all right confidence is back and I just go back to class class gets over. And a girl stops me and she's like, hey, who's your vocal coach? And I'm like, I don't have one. Like, just naturally, because this has caught, caught me completely off guard. I say that and literally there wasn't anything else out of her mouth. She turns around, her head goes down and she just power walks off. And she was like all state, I think vocalist and might have been all state like, like, Whatever I can't remember what instrument she played in in the orchestra, but she was like I think all state in both of these, and I'm like I had this like halfway smirk, but like once she like did that, because I was I was kind of proud. I was like I don't have one. Like oh, so she was upset that you were that yeah, good. Yeah. So after and I was like, soon as her head went down, my smart my you know like my joy went away because I'm like oh, because my brain was like. She's crying and like I couldn't move because I didn't know what to do because I'm like, what do I say to this? Per-? Like, because my thing was I started, I mean, I started singing because I love music and, you know, my, my uncle sang, but then over time it was my therapy, especially by high school. Like that was my, my outlet because even, even like, I mean, there was no avoiding like anything in my life. So it was like. All the time when I would hang out with the neighborhood kids, like some of them got it that I was just different. Like I spoke different. I acted different. I didn't, you know, I, I just was completely different than most of the what kids. What do you think that was? If that was your world, what what sparked this difference? I, I mean, I think it's just, 
I think it just I gradually picked it up from my relatives mm. because like a lot like a lot of them like most of them went to school and stuff like like accountants, police officers, some are engineers, some are you know other stuff like and I mean a lot like there weren't many of them that sounded like they were like I guess ghetto or anything like that like we all spoke like we we spoke like humans speak you know um, but we didn't have an accent I guess to us that like, accent I've recently found out is technically now called American African American vernacular English. Oh wow. Okay. Instead of being called Ebonics. Yeah. Okay. African I I only recently found that out. African American vernacular English. I think that's what it's called. Wow. And that's like okay. what you're referring to. Yeah, like, yeah. The type of the, the dialect of growing up low income, mm-hmm. whether it's an inner city or a rural area, just being away from people and hearing certain words, proper words, mm-hmm. uh, misusing sentences and having that more like a weaker structure of just the lack of education and, and reinforcement of like, say it this way, not that way, no one correcting you. Yeah. You know, yeah. just learning stuff from the streets and, and on your own with other kids. Mm-hmm. When your education is just the local kids around you. Yeah, you're going to talk. You're going to speak gonna, that way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so you didn't, you, you learned a lot from like your, the older peers in your life, like your aunts, uncles. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and it was, I mean, it was just natural. Plus, I mean, I don't know. Like, it was, it was so weird because, (laughs) like, I've always been the way, like, I've always been the way I am. Like, there was never, like, I mean, I always, like, I've always, I've never been sure of anything, Mm -hmm. but I've always just kind of gone on my, you know, my path. Like, Mm -hmm. so it was like, even, like, if I didn't like something, I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Like, like. Like, if I didn't want to wear a FUBU shirt, I didn't want to wear it. I was like, it's not my style. Like, and like, I mean, but they would pick on me and they'd be like, oh, why do you, why do you talk so white? Mm. And I mean, and that, so it was like, I grew up for a long time, like probably, probably, I mean, probably not till after high school. Like, cause at some point I just didn't give a shit. Like, I was just like, like, you know, these people have problems. Like, I'm not even like, I would still answer all the time. Cause I'm like. I talk the way I do. That's just what it is. Or I would give them an, you know, explanation like my relatives, but then it's like, like some of my relatives, people probably think they're uppity and they're not like, Mm -hmm. like literally like I've seen, I've seen some of my relatives like when they're mad, like, Oh, they look, they look mad as, as, as any gangster out here. Mm -hmm. They, they sound like that gangster. Cause Mm -hmm. I mean, some of them, you know, may, I I don't know their backstories, but I know they've been through some stuff. Like I, you know, so, uh, that's interesting. You say that it's, so your peers, I'm assuming other other black boys, mm-hmm. you know, like, and black girls too. Yeah, black girls talking talking down to you about your like more um kind of just like more proper yeah. way of speaking English. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a spectrum of speaking. Mm-hmm. There's there's fifteen dollar words you could use all day, right? And right. then there is you know slang, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you're speaking a little more clear, maybe enunciating better, using more proper words. Yeah. And they're like saying in a negative way, they're saying like, why are you speaking like a white person? Why are you, yeah. why are you speak like up speaking to us? You know? Yeah, exactly. And then in the world of being, you know, white, if you speak in a way that's more like what you're talking about, more, I don't know, just not as proper, yeah. more slang people like, why are you speak? Like they, they, they call that bad. So like, yeah. It's weird how, like, when you're speaking it's up, <laughs> your peers are like, why are you doing that? Like, mm-hmm. you're being belittled or something. Like, yeah. they feel like they're being belittled. And and honestly, that might, I mean, because looking back, I, like, the especially, like, the older I've gotten, like, I process things on my own because I have to. Like, like, like we were speaking before. It's like, well, why is this a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Well, over time, I'm just like, I mean, there's there's obviously various of reasons because one, it could have been them taking it defensively, like. Why is he talking to his Like you're wife? talking down to them. But then it's like at the same time, at times, I know it was just a genuine question. And there wasn't no sugarcoating or mm-hmm. there wasn't a, a correct way of going about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there could have been in my brain, but I'm like, they just went to the point because they went to the point of where where their, their brain naturally goes and they spoke their mind on mm-hmm. it. And but it's, it's weird how relative it is. Yeah. Like to them, you were speaking like down to them. And then there's probably people in your life that you're like, are they speaking down to me? And yeah. I meet people all the time that can speak more clearly than me and know even more fancier words. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, are they speaking down to me? <laughs> yeah. I think it's all about your intent. How are you doing it? Yeah. You know, there's that condescending, like, upspeak. Yeah. And, like, the, and the execution of it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just how like, are you doing it? Are you yeah. belittling? Are you literally talking down to me? Yeah. Or are you just speaking in your natural, you know, vernacular, your nat- natural vocabulary? And, uh, yeah, because does your brain sit up here mm-hmm. and like you don't even realize and like your pe- your people skills mm-hmm. aren't at that level. Like you're intellectually a genius, but your people skills are like way down. Yeah, here. It, exactly. You got to read a room. Like <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you might. Excuse me. You're good. You might know the right terminology for something. You might mm-hmm. have a background in some type of um, science or technology. Yeah. But if you're in a room with a bunch of just people, yeah, and you like, know. They don't know what you're talking about. Then why are you talking like right. that? Like Unless if I'm going to talk to you about sound and audio music, stuff that I know a lot about, I'm not going to like use all the fancy words and yeah. the scientific information. Unless you ask that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to like do that. I'm just going to be like, yeah, you know, like microphone picks up sound. Keep it simple. Normalize yeah. it a little yeah. bit. Not going to explain point A to point B of the whole signal flow to someone that's like, I don't know what you're talking. And then they feel like you're, why are you talking? Like, why, right. what are you doing? <laughs> right. So it's, uh, it takes people skills. It takes time and, and you learn that. And, uh, yeah, it's not kind to do that to people when you know, like, yeah. like yeah. oh, I'm going to be like the smartest person in the room. That's it's, when the ego kicks in and you're just like, oh, this guy's a dick. I hate him. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, it's something I've, I've had a few conversations with people I've met that are clearly quite bright people. Mm-hmm. And I'll always give them advice, like, not saying I'm bright, but just experienced enough to know, talk to a lot of people. Yeah. The smartest people, there's two things you should always, the smarter you are, the more you should know how little you know. Yeah. And be aware of that. And second, the smartest person knows how to not always try to be the smartest person. You know how to listen Mm -hmm. and, like, learn from anybody because... Language is a complicated thing, but it's not the only in, the only indicator of intelligence. Yeah, um, experience and um, education; um, those things combined, they're very different. You know, some people might think like, "Oh, this person's really smart; they have a PhD mm-hmm. from University of Chicago or, yeah, or yeah. you know Cornell." Yeah, but I've met some high school dropouts that blew my mind. Yeah, and I met some people. I've met some too. Right? Just like what? Now they might not be using the crazy language and yeah. terminology, but if you just sit there and listen and use what language they do know how to use, and you you listen to it. And you, could, it's amazing what you can learn, and you start to realize how like elastic, and plastic intelligence is. It stretches and ebbs and flows, and it is no. We have these tests, these quantitative tests of like IQ, mm-hmm. you know. But man, those those can only do so much. You know, your ACT, SAT can only do so much. Like my ACT score is hilarious. It's so bad. Yeah, I didn't even take it yeah. ever. No, <laughs> mine was so bad. I was so anti um, testing mm-hmm. that I would like try my best to like 
do the worst. Like I got one of the worst scores in my eighth grade test to place you in high school. Yeah. So they placed me in all like the See, intermediate even... te- like classes, like yeah. all the the classes that are like prerequisites oh, like to like the, the normal uh, classes, like ITBS and stuff like just like, like integrated rating and like yeah. the, a science before biology, like yeah. all that stuff. And yeah. I was like, I got into that. And I was like, oh no, what? I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I went to my, my my advisor, my counselor, and I was like. I think I'm in the wrong classes. She's like, no, like this, your tests were this, this, and that. And I was like, come on. I did that on purpose. Like my, I had a friend who did the same thing. We were both put in these classes and these classes are necessary. They're for people mm-hmm. who truly have serious learning disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I don't belong in here. I should be in like at least the normal ones. And they boosted me up after a week when they realized like I was being an idiot yeah. and I was deliberately doing bad. Yeah. You're just being to a little... try to screw the system. Yeah. Yeah. And I did it all the time. I still didn't learn. I did it on my ACT and yeah. I regret it so much, but I was like being such a rebel. Mm. I just, I hated that that's the way you'd quantify a person's yeah. ability. I know they have to do something. It's it's the best way we've come up with, maybe. I think yeah. there's better ways. But well, it's like, especially it's like at some point you might have had people, like the majority of people were like cool with that way. But it's like, obviously when you got to that point, you just were like, either this is boring or this is frustrating or annoying. And it's like, you got to adapt at some point because it's like, even if you have a few students doing that, guess what? You have an issue on your hand Mm -hmm. because you're not taking it serious. And it's like, you know, and it's like, you literally just said, because you didn't like, that's how we're going to do it. Like there has to be a better way. I mean, because especially it's like, I don't know, everyone's not going to, everyone's clearly not going to test the right way because some people are great at tests, but then like they might not be as book smart, but Mm -hmm. like you obviously like you could learn at their same level or more but you didn't give a crap well everyone learns differently (laughs) exactly i've spoken with people that like yeah i had a 32 my act and they they are so dull they can't even like be a human being sometimes yeah you know then i've spoken with people who never took the act and Mm -hmm. i'm like i learned so much from them and i don't know it's weird it's weird uh the whole like you know quantifying like gpas yeah what school do you go to? How much money do you make? Right. How many records have you sold? All these, mm-hmm. I don't, I try not to think about it and worry about it and just kind of do what feels natural, you know? Right. Like, and you seem like someone does the same with yeah, your music, I, you know? Yeah, I, I try. And it's like, it's, yeah. And I mean, that's why I like music so much too, because you can do anything with it. I mean, it's like when when you were talking about earlier about, you know, people necessarily like, oh, this guy looks like a punk rocker. Mm-hmm. But they don't, like, even to this day, I'm still, like, like there's a band from, from Iowa that's called Closet Witch. First time I met them, I didn't, see, I didn't see them play. We were doing this, like, Labor Day festival um, at Roz Talks in Rock Island, one of the venues we have. And uh, they were just in the crowd. Like, there's, I mean, literally, I think most of the crowd is are relatives or, like, friends of mine that came to see, and there's, like, maybe 20 people tops. And, like, four of them are standing right there and like, Hey man, good set and everything. They're literally, uh, what do they call it? Um, um, like math core or something like they're heavy math rock. Yeah. My, yeah. Pro- progressive rock. Well, they're like, like, like heavy metal. Sc- she screams. Like okay. it literally sounds like a witch is screaming over the vocals. Screamo but, progressive metal. Yeah. Rock, math like, rock core. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. One like of those things. Yeah. Look, look <laughs> them up online. Cause it's like, there's, cause there's so many variations of the heavy stuff. Oh yeah. I just listened to it. Like I don't I don't know it all, but I know there's like a math aspect to it, but I can't remember all. But I mean, they've done some crazy stuff too. And I mean, especially for the genre, it's like 
I mean, they've done stuff genre-wise and, like, played at Numos out in Seattle, but the, and which is crazy because I was, I think, I was in Seattle recording music with my homie Progeny, um, and we went, I think, there was a Thursday night, we went to Numos, and it's like, I think they're one of those venues that has, like, a a, a like a building that has two venues, like one in the basement, one upstairs, mm-hmm. and I think the one upstairs is like eight hundred cap, so it was like a decent size show. And like we see this band called Windhand, and then like the openers were like this band called Un, who I saw there, and they were like the local opener for this like you know nationally touring band. And then like they the Un band ends up playing Rock Island like six months later and like in front of like 30 people so i'm like oh wow like i saw you guys on this huge stage and like closet which had played in that same venue and i'm like you guys got to do something you know epic but they played at there's a festival in des moines called 8035 and i think uh i can't remember what the the headliners were the year before but i, th- I think it was like kesha and like this, the Decemberists, and like I mean, like Talib Kweli, like I might be mixing awesome a few bands. years, awesome yeah, artists. like just crazy bands, and they were like on one of the side stages and just did their thing, and I'm just like, I know for a fact three quarters of that, three quarters of that that audience wasn't there to see them, but like they did their thing, and like you know people were there, but I'm just like, but they loved my music. I'm sitting there doing soul, R and B, hip hop, and I'm just like. Even though I knew, because I mean, I, I grew like my friends showed me metal and hardcore and punk music, you know, after high school. But it's just like, like even that Windhand show when I was out in Seattle at at that venue they played at. I remember w- there was like a second level where you could just like stand, you weren't in the crowd and stuff, and it was like they had little TVs to to see the stage better. And then like there's like a couple bars up there too, and like I'm walking around and I'm like, you know, it's like it's a heavy. Like, I think it's, like, a Doom, like, Doom bands. I think that's where, like, two of the bands were. And then one was, like, like they almost seemed like they were, like, mainstream rock to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, like, psychedelic with, like, some heavy to them. And, like, just, there was a lot of melodicness going on. Um, but anyway, like, I see people in suits walking or, like, literally just posted up watching. And I'm just, like, and, I mean, they didn't have, like, I don't even know. If, I don't think they had tattoos. Like, they didn't look, I mean, they just might have had them covered because they're wearing suits. But, like, they didn't even look like the type of person that would have a tattoo. And they're at this Doom show. Like, and I'm just like, I mean, the band Un, like, it sounds like the guy sounds like a gr- like a bear screaming over just some mm-hmm. dragging, just Doom. And, like, at some point, like, my brain, because, I mean, like, the when I hear The called me, Doom? No, they're called Un. It's oh. like U-N, but I, I, I think that's how you pronounce it. But mm-hmm. they're awesome. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was just, it, it, that's what it sounds like to me. And But it was like... I'd been drinking a little bit. I might have smoked or whatever at that time, but it was just like, and like music, like when it hits me, like it just like, like it'll, like I've been in venues in Iowa City and seen like Yellow Wolf and like he had uh, this guy, um, is it Bones? Bones Owens, I think it is, his guitarist and the dude played with like Mikey Echo and I think a few other bigger artists. He's like getting up there now. Like he's had songs playing on like ESPN and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like there was a portion of the set where, and I think he's one of those guys, multi-instrumentalist, and I think mainly guitar, but, like, he had a piano that they rolled out and, like, one of those stand-up ones where it, like, stands up against the wall. And uh, he had one of those off to the side, and then, like, at some point they lit some candles, put them on the top, you know, top of the piano, and then, like, they, the lights change. And, I mean, this is, like, a like it's 
blue moose. I don't know what it was. Maybe like 500. It could be plus. I'm not sure. So, I mean, it's just packed balls just every, everywhere. It's filled. And they change it like, you know, probably change it like a purple and stuff. And, like, I know yellow is from Alabama. I'm not sure where Bones is from. But, like, wherever whatever song they played, I thought I was in yellow's hometown. I'm in Iowa. And I'm, like, in Iowa City. And Iowa City is a college town. So, like, think of a college town. It's not all far. It's not farms. Like, Iowa, mostly farms. But anyway, I'm there, and I'm, like, I, like, I remember that like it was yesterday. I can feel it right now. Like, I'm, like, and I felt like I was in the deep. Like, I think he's from Gadsden, which I've never been. But, like, just watching some of his, watching some of Yellow Wolf's, like, videos, and, like, he, I'm assuming, grew up in the woods or something to an extent. Like, or maybe, like, one of his, like, his dad, I think. But, like, it just, the imagery from some of his music videos were popping in my head. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're we're in, we're in like, the deep south in some, like, just wooded, like, some stuff's going down, mm-hmm. like, type stuff. And, but that's what happened with that. And, I mean, it's just, so, so seeing people in suits at this, like, <laughs> doom show, I'm just like, what are you doing? But, but when, but, yeah, watching uh, Un, that feeling... Like I was scared because it like it sounds like a bear singing over this heavy, just like it's almost evil, but it's beautiful. And then like the guitars are doing this harmonic, just this this beautiful harmony, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I get it, you know. And it's like, cause I listen to every genre, so it's like, but when you when you see a band live, and I mean they're hitting, they're set, like you know, like this is a local opener. But I mean, they're you can tell they're a good band and like they know their music and they've been performing a long time. Mm-hmm. And they're on this probably one of the loudest sound systems and, and the the mix and everything is just on point. Like mm-hmm. it just takes you like you're in a venue full of eight hundred plus people mm-hmm. and you're not there. Yeah. You just close your eyes and you're just like, I don't even listen to this genre religiously, but it just took me to a place that I may have been in a similar realm of... Isn't that amazing when that happens? <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like creepy. A, this was like a metal rock to you? Like it's kind of just like a new genre to you, a new style? I've I've heard stuff similar, but... And it's like, I it's usually like... Usually not my cup of tea just because it's like, it's slow. Mm-hmm. Like I'm used to more headbanging stuff like-ish. Mm-hmm. But I mean that, it, it definitely helped my perspective on that sub-genre of, of metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've been having those experiences a lot lately with like hip hop, R and B. Yeah, um, been exposed to a lot more over COVID, mm-hmm. and recently, um, the artist MF Doom. Yeah, and I never heard of him before. Oh man, and I really <laughs> like it. I I started with his first record, but I really like him. Well, it was two thousand four Mad Villain, Mad Vin- Vanillion. Yeah, I don't Mad Villain. I forgot. It's not. I don't even know if it's a real word. Yeah, I'm not sure because I, I know who you're talking about, and I know some of his music, but I don't know his projects enough. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. Yeah, it's different sampling and different pacing and different rhyme schemes I'd never heard before. Yeah, and that's what's crazy because it's like, I think people talked about that because he had his own like style to mm-hmm. to a lot of his music, and I was just like, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've never, and it's like that's what usually happens. Like, it's like people get into them after they pass because I'm yeah. assuming that's when you got into them. More. I just I didn't even know who he was. Someone just someone recently just told just me told, about them. Oh, really? I, I didn't know anything about his history or his mm-hmm. death. Nothing like that. So normally you'd be right. Usually people get into stuff, you know, yeah. when people pass away. But no, I was just randomly shown it. And I was just like, man, I really like it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, 
A lot of new music. That's been a beauty of Spotify, too. Yeah, oh, for sure. As daunting as it is, it's really great. Mm-hmm. If you have, like, friends that are really big into music, music buffs, and you're just constantly trading and sharing, check out this. Create a community Spotify playlist everyone can add to, mm-hmm. ones you make and you share with friends. It's really, really cool. I'm a big friend of fan of records. Yeah. Like, I want to put on an album and just listen to it straight through. Mm-hmm. But a great thing to get to that is just discovering new artists. You find one song, then you can go... Do your own research. Go down their discography and just yep. same thing with films. I like movies, and you know, I find one I like. I want to see that director, and I just start watching all the movies they ever directed. Mm-hmm. You know, and go down, go down almost a rabbit hole. And yeah, you're like oh man, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, it's really cool, and um, it's a beautiful thing. That's the only real true thing of the streaming services, video mm-hmm. and audio. The problem is, is because they're so saturated with stuff. You got to be patient and willing to do your due diligence and your homework to like. Yeah. Go through it. Find what you like. You know, try to figure out how to block some of the noise and the nonsensical stuff, and then really yeah. go for the true art. And it just takes time and effort. And I know a lot of, a lot of people don't have that. They're busy with work and lives and mm-hmm. kids, and they just can't sit around for yeah. hours trying to figure out what's the best new band. How do I know who's this, this, and that? You know, the the criteria of what makes like a an amazing band has now like diminished. It used to be like, oh, how many sales do you have? Like how many records, yeah, how many concerts yeah. you're playing? But now that everyone can just sell stuff on Bandcamp or on Instagram, on Facebook, mm-hmm. people like you, people like me, yeah. um, now that we can communicate with people from around the world just through email or through yeah, posting or sharing their stuff, it's, it's, the game's it's, changed. Now the criteria of what makes someone good, bad, or whatever is different. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you start to realize, go use the restroom, yeah. yeah sure. He's going to go use the restroom. I'm going to keep talking yeah, yeah. about... Uh, criteria is for bands it's it's been interesting to see it change you know again it used to be you know how many followers do you have uh how many shows are you guys playing are they ever sold out i mean those things still really matter to be honest especially if you want to financially get by in the music world in um in any way but as far as what makes you like legitimate or or a decent band it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of arbitrary and you realize like as long as you can get on these these platforms, it's not that hard to just make a record, upload it to Bandcamp, put it on CD Baby and have it go to Pandora, iTunes, Apple Music, um, Spotify, and then just have like a social media and start sharing it and promoting it. And, you know, if you put in the effort and start playing shows pre-COVID, then before you know it, you can just be in places you never would expect. Someone could be listening to you in Taiwan, in, in, you know, in Italy, in England, in Canada, down the street from you, your roommate in the same house, and then someone else in Chile. It's pretty amazing. And you realize, like, now the, the barometer of what is popular is just so different now because these Spotify, you know, big playlists, the ones that people get put on, you might be, like, an all-new indie music or all-new hip-hop or all-new world music, um, those things are great and it's a great way to learn new music, but there's so many like subcategories of just finding it. And I think the way they've, you know, I don't agree with how much they pay their artists, uh, Spotify and Apple and everything in between. Uh, they definitely are chipping you as they normally would. And actually, I don't even think that's the right word to use anymore. I think you're not supposed to say chip. Anyway, they're definitely taking advantage of you in some way, shape or form, uh, as most larger companies tend to do. Um, but Man, the way they are able to spread music and the way you're able to learn about new music and genres, it's just so cool. It's groundbreaking. I've never learned about so much music in the last year or two than I have 
you know, it took my whole life to get to this. And I'm just really impressed with it. But I hope they can find better ways to pay the artists because it's just kind of, I don't know, it's messed up. I know a handful of artists that have a lot of plays, millions, and they're not paid very well. Not paid very well at all. Um, sales have changed. You know, CDs are completely on the outs. It's very rare someone puts out a CD. Cars don't play them. Laptops don't have CD ports. No one has their old CD players anymore. They probably stopped working. Um, it's a finicky medium. Vinyl's definitely a great medium for it, but you got to be willing to buy the turntable, to buy the receiver, you know, to, to buy the speakers that have that gear, to know how to hook it up, to buy the physical vinyls. But I think it's great for bringing that love of music back, to have to sit there and put the vinyl on, not for quality or anything other than that nostalgic, falling back in love with music or, or being in love with music, putting something on, having to sit around and listen to it, go back to it when it's done, flip it, slide it back into its sleeve and you know pick the next record. And it's great because that's such a fun way to listen to music. And then there's also like the Spotify and iTunes and then you realize it's kind of just the context of the situation. Are you trying to just hang out with your friends and have a good time? You put on Spotify and just let it, people add to the queue. Mm-hmm. Or you want to sit down, you know, smoke a joint and just relax with a couple friends. You put on that vinyl and you sit there and you, you have intention behind your, your listening purposes, you know. Mm-hmm. You, do you have any vinyl of your own music? I, uh, not yet, but no. um, we're trying to put out a project probably in the, uh, probably in the fall. Mm. And I want I definitely want to try and do vinyl for it. Yeah, it'll be a full, closer to a full length. So mm. I'd buy it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a big fan It'd of vinyl. Done. Big fan of supporting like local musicians who have mm-hmm. vinyl. I I don't have like the biggest collection. Maybe like 150 vinyls. That's solid though. Solid. I want way more, but um, <laughs> it's like microphones and cameras and <laughs> yeah. lights or vinyl and I have to like pick and choose stickers and pins or vinyl right, like, right. I don't have enough money to like do it all so I'm just kind of mm-hmm. like man but I said I was telling a friend yesterday I was like in two more years when I turn 33 I'm buying three vinyls a week for the rest of my life That's I dope. think I'll financially be in a place where I could do that and I want to buy a vintage one mm-hmm. a local band you know someone like you you know yeah. like that and then like a more popular band that I like Mm-hmm. And just try to buy three a week. I don't care how much it costs. Like, I want to invest in music. I love sitting around and listening to it. Mm-hmm. And I was saying before you came back in, um, like, I've recently fallen back in love with music in a way that it's bringing me back like 10, 15 years mm-hmm. to where I find myself listening every night, discovering new musicians, new ways of listening to it, new genres. A lot of people in my life now have been exposing me to new things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been great. I don't know, it's just been fun, and I kind of like COVID did that because I yeah. took myself away from the streaming services right. of uh, video. So like I had I had Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN, um, HBO, like everything. Yeah, and I just completely canceled all the services. Yeah. Saved me some money a month. No, yeah, easily. But I freed up so much time. <laughs> right. I didn't go. I'm bored. I'm gonna go sit and see what I could find on ten services and scroll through all of them and see what I want to see. Got rid of all of them. Instead of going to the television, um, you know, I go to a vinyl or my laptop, put on Spotify, and I just like listen to music, read a book, have a conversation with friends, cook some food, mm-hmm. um, play a ga- play some card games, go outside, have a bonfire, and do the same thing, yeah. and kind of just enjoy the moment more with people, mm-hmm. more camaraderie, more conversationalist. Um, get talk about dumb stuff, right, talk right. about meaningful <laughs> stuff. Don't talk about anything. Just sit in silence, just listen to music. Yeah, and then 
have more purpose behind watching a movie. Now, if I want to watch a movie, if I watch one, you know, every week or so, instead of paying $80 a month for streaming everything, yeah. I'd rather just pay the $3 to rent it if I'm going to watch it once in a while. Right, on right. This, on the same service, but go in and just pay to rent it. It's, yeah. it's saving you money versus streaming all this stuff. Right, right. And at the, at the end of the day, yeah, you don't have enough time to watch all of it at once. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. I <laughs> yeah. love movies. I've, yeah. I'm a big movie head, and mm-hmm. uh, I love it, but the time it takes to sit there and watch a TV show and a TV show. Yeah. Again, nothing wrong with it, but I want to have purpose behind it. Right. And that same purpose, that same drive and mentality, I've attributed it it to um, listening to music. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying, like, put it on a vinyl, sit there, read the lyrics, read the the production, Mm -hmm. who who made it, where they record it, you know, talk about, think about the engineers and the style. Oh, the artists produced it too. Oh, they, they wrote and produced and engineered. Yeah. Wow, like, what does that mean? (laughs) It's kind of like when you meet that, uh, you watch a movie and you, sh- you realize that, that the director wrote it, produced it, and directed it. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds you of when someone like produces their record, records it, does all the arrangement, and sings on it. It's like yeah. you realize when someone does that, whether it's film or cooking or music or architecture, when they have way more you know, cards in it, it becomes way more of them and has yeah. a feel of them, and you it becomes that... Kanye West record yeah. because he yeah. Kanye West has so much more involved in his records than just like singing on him. He does mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. There's mm-hmm. people like that who are heavily involved in what what the whole process is. And there's people who are not. They just come in, hired gun, they just sing and they get yeah. out. And both are important, but when someone is like heavily involved in it, it takes on the shape of like their persona, like their yeah. their mentality, who they are. Yeah, cuz they get there's a pocket of them and it's like when you get the other minds it's like Yes, yeah, some teams work perfect, but then other people will make a masterpiece all by themselves, and you're yeah. just like, "What?" <laughs> or closest to them by themselves as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's but and then it's like if you took like say say Kanye, like you were saying, if you take one aspect of him, like you take his beats out of it and put someone else's beat in there, it might not be as good of a song. Like mm-hmm. they they could have created the same exact beat. But they put their style into it, whereas Kanye put his style into it. And if you flip that out, it's not going to be the same song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of directors like that. Yeah. Like some of my favorite directors, I call I consider them. This is my own, you know, coined term. Like artist and directors, like they do everything. Mm-hmm. Like Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, who's another good example of one? Um. um What's his name? Darren Aronofsky? Is that how you say his name? I'm he did sure. like Black the Swan name and Mothers and uh, Requiem for a Dream. Where they like, they kind of direct, write, and produce. Mm-hmm. Like their name um, is on everything. Quentin yeah. Tarantino. Yeah. Okay. When you watch their movie, like, yeah, that's that's a Quentin Tarantino film. He's he's doing everything. He's, right. He wrote the story. Mm-hmm. He's part of the whole production, That what goes, what doesn't go. And he's directing it all. Like it's going to have their flair, their taste on it. Mm-hmm. And you'll get that a, a lot with certain people. That's why... Certain artists want to work with certain engineers or producers. Like, yeah. I like the way they do everything. Right. How they're going to take what I do and make it what they do. You know, make the bridge that gap. Yeah. And like what, and like, because for me, when I record, like, I mean, I've recorded with so many different people, like not, not a ton, but I'd say like over, over the time period of me starting my recording, like probably, I think I started that like probably early high school. Mm. But I mean, just, all the different either engineers or whoever, you know, however that breaks down, um, the comfort how comfortable you are with some people or how that process like does it feel does it flow naturally or like or like are you paying for a session and like 
like you're paying 50 bucks an hour or more or whatever and like do you feel like it's being rushed because you're paying the 50 bucks or like is it flowing freely and like are you actually getting into your music instead of just like actually just doing it as quick as you can in the mm -hmm. time frame or something like mm -hmm. at the end of the day some of that a lot of that like at times really matters too like mm -hmm. it's it's so crazy too how drastic it can be yeah yeah it's that's a tricky thing. Like I've worked with a lot of people who it, we mesh really well and it worked great, mm -hmm. and then sometimes it clashes and it's just like not. Work. I mean, it happens though. Like yeah. it's a creative outlet. Like it's yeah. the most emotional connection you're ever going to have. You're taking something you might have spent days, weeks, months, years in your head. Yeah, you know, yeah. writing it out, typing it out, getting those feelings out. Maybe you are very antisocial and it took you so long to finally be able to sing in front of people, mm -hmm. and now you're very, you know, in this very vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. with an engineer and it might not just lock well like what you thought you were going to do might not work with them it happens i try to make it to where it's that's a small percentage of the time mm -hmm. there's only so much you can do before it's out of your control oh. and it's just the chemistry of like the musician and the engineer just not clicking mm -hmm. but most of the time that's not really a problem i try to set it up to where i'm just like a, a vessel yeah i try to be transparent with what they do i want to take that information just put it out of speakers properly mm -hmm. you know whatever that takes um, but it depends on the project. Some projects, I feel like I need to take on a more producer role. Maybe yeah, they yeah. they come in with that open-ended, like, hey, we like the way you do this, so, like, whatever you think, like, give yeah. us your two cents. And then yeah. some people come in, like, I know exactly what I'm doing, I know exactly what I want, and I'm just a translator. Like, yeah. I'm not doing anything. I'm like, yeah. again, put a microphone, make it as clear as possible to coming out. Like, that's yeah. it. And that's then all give, my me, give me notes when you need something yeah. changed. Give me notes. I'll give you notes. Mm -hmm. so, you know, usually I'm an emotional support dog yeah. for most people <laughs> yeah, yeah i've yeah. learned um the psychology of a musician being a musician myself i've man, i've learned a lot about how to like talk them off the edge like, it's okay yeah let's just do it again uh okay let's not do it again eight takes is enough it's clearly not going to get better right maybe right. let's come back to it practice it more at home mm -hmm. next time you come in you'll probably be fine with it you're yeah. overthinking it. it's okay like man you got to walk a lot of people it, that take was great the yeah. take was great you're in your head about it there's some nuance to it but you're the only one who's gonna know yeah yeah exactly and, and when you're in your head you don't you don't think about that yeah you're the only <laughs> gonna, nobody on YouTube is gonna know mm -mm. you know nobody on Spotify is gonna know that you you hit an inverted chord mm. it's still you hit the fifth instead of the fourth it's still in key it's still great it just might not be what you wanted right but it's not wrong yeah it's not out of time when there's an actual quantitative wrong thing like it's out of time mm -hmm. it's not in tune or it's just kind of like a botched note or something, I'll be like, that one note there, we could try to fix it, but that's the only thing. Well, other than that, flawless, you know, yeah. delivery, anything that's wrong, that's on you, like, that's in your head. Right, So right. it could be very minute, nu nuance-related mm. things that's just like, I, when I was singing, I wish I went up to that note. Yeah, the inner perfectionist is yeah. like... <laughs> but I went to this note. It's not a wrong note. Yeah. It's just not where I wanted to go. Exactly. And I'm like, no, whatever you do, this is kind of true for everything in life, Whatever you do, if you do it with confidence and you're genuine, everyone thinks that's what was meant to be. Mm -hmm. They think that was deliberate. Mm -hmm. When a band does something live, most listeners are just people who got off work. They want to go to the club or the bar or the pub, get a beer, get a burger, and just be entertained and have fun. Mm -hmm. Hang out with their friends and talk and just listen to music. And they're music nuts, then vibe out and just rock out. And they exactly. want to have fun. They don't care or know what the heck you're talking about. Like... I've done a lot of guitar work in my life, and 
I've had a lot of sloppy riffs and solos, and every time we're done playing a show, people are like, oh, it was great. You're so good. I never knew you could play that way. I'm just like, dude, it was. Yeah, you're like, uh uh-uh. But I know that. <laughs> yeah. So being self-aware, I'm like, thank you. Like, yeah. I know where I messed up, but to them, it was great. And mm-hmm. that's, you could argue that it's all that matters. I don't know. Are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing it for them? Mm-hmm. If I had fun doing it for myself and the people around me had a good time, then it's a win. Like, exactly. I'm okay with it, you know? Exactly. You get better for the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I'm not going to try that again. Yeah. You know, when you're, tr- when you're playing live, you're like, you you yourself get tired of how you've been playing for so long. You're mm-hmm. like, I gotta try something new. I'm sick and tired of playing it like right, this. Right. So you throw in this curveball and you're like, oh no. Yeah. I, I never practiced that. Yeah. I should not have thrown in a curveball in front of 150 people. <laughs> right, right. I should just keep that for when I'm at home, yeah. hone in, and then do it again. But like that exciting improv thing kicks mm-hmm. in your brain. You're like, I wanna try something. Yeah. You probably do it all the time with singing where you're like, see if I can go to this note and you know that's and that's a good thing about being able like especially like I try not to use my laptop unless it's like a hip-hop like set where they're like hey do that like most of the time I have the freedom to be able to play my acoustic stuff if I want to Mm -hmm. but I mean unless it's like a set where it's like everyone else is using a laptop with backing beats it's like I don't like doing it anymore because if I can play my acoustic guitar or if cadence can be there and play her piano I mean it's a lot, way, way less effort for me to sing over her playing piano or the guitar, but we can move just like, it might be similar to a pocket that we've gotten into, but it's never the exact same. Mm -hmm. And with a backing track, I can only do so much difference because if I have the hook come in, which I usually, I don't anymore because I'm just like, you know, if I take that hook out, I know where the chorus is going to come in. So if I want to switch it up and like, like I can't really change tempos and stuff, but you know the melodicness or or whatever whatever level of things that I want to switch up, I can. But in that backing track, I can only move so much, mm-hmm. especially when there's a melody back there. You know, I can't do certain notes in that song because it won't fit. But with the acoustic guitar and just my vocals, I can go a lot of different places, or I can slow it down, or I can pause, or you know, do certain accents. And I'm just like. <laughs> It's 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 so crazy in, in the variation, but I'm just like, oh my gosh. Do you uh, do a lot of rap? Um, not, not really. I mean, it's like, like when I started writing music, I started doing poetry, and then one day I'm like, oh, because I because uh, I was literally when you referenced records and reading the lyrics, I did that. Like I would put on CD because we didn't have vinyl at all and I mean this is like the probably the 90s well no like late 90s into the 2000s probably and like I'm like Brian McKnight best of album or whatever I'm reading the lyrics and I'm just like you know I'm listening to him sing I'm reading the lyrics and I'm like oh my gosh poetry like songs are poetry yeah it's just there's they sing these words instead of speaking them Mm -hmm. and then my brain clicked and I'm like and I was writing poetry so I'm like one day I'm like let me try singing this. Like, what would, like, if this emotion that I put into these words, how would they feel with melody and and notes behind them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started writing songs. Mm. And then, and I mean, I honestly, We, the, the first song I played today, that was probably the first song I ever wrote. Really? Yeah. And I mean, oh. I, and when it, was that? Oh, man. Like, maybe maybe eighth grade 
roughly around then. Like 17 maybe first, years ago, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's so like, why'd you sit on it for so long? Well, I just, I don't know. When it was like, I, like I would pick up a guitar and stuff, but I, I mean, I already had it written. And I mean, it's only two chords. So mm-hmm. it was like, I think that's what it was. And it was like, like I said, we were poor. So it was like, I could we couldn't just go out and buy a guitar. Mm-hmm. So I would like, I was working at the library in high school. And um, so I would like lease a guitar and stuff. And it was like, <laughs> like some of my relatives, like they'd be like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? My brain never dawns on me to be like, can you buy me a guitar? They would have bought me a guitar, but I just never, like, it never clicked because I'm like, um, I don't know, uh, like, you would say clothes or, like, or like a video game or something because it's just naturally. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when I look, I, I still to this day look back and I'm like, they would have bought me, like, and they would have bought me a good guitar. Like, they would have just bought me some, like, basic, and I'm not hating on, like, Kmart or, you know, the novelty guitars and stuff. But it's like if a person, you know, they were willing. I mean, they bought they bought us the brand new video game system every time, like a new one came out. Yeah, just to you know make sure we had some sort of normalcy in our lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, why the hell did I never? <laughs> you should ask for. You could get it. Yeah. My first guitar was sixty bucks. My garage. So. Yeah, and, and but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like, and it was fine. I still have it. It's a Washburn. It, it's yeah. Washburn. It's yeah, fine. and that's that's a quality guitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been through hell, but it's fine. And. and they're not that expensive to get someone started, but exactly, and that's all I needed. Yeah, and that was. <laughs> so when did you get your first guitar? Ah, uh, oh man, like probably the first, first one I probably bought was probably, man. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. Like it might have been less than ten years ago. Honestly, oh wow, because I just kept doing that, and then there was like, and then, I like after high school, like that's when I started recording. I didn't need a guitar. Like, even though I was, like, in, like, I loved music overall, like, I just never, I was starting to get into hip-hop and then, like, and instrumentals and stuff. So it was, like, we, you know, I had I'd met friends that made beats and stuff, so that just kind of took over my main focus. And then I was, and then I would get more into hip-hop and, like, R&B and, like, certain aspects, so I wouldn't get into, I would get in more into the melodies of the backing tracks and, like, lyricism or whatnot. So I wasn't really worried about the instruments because since I know this person has this computer program that they can or whatever, they can just play or they have like this synthesizer or something that they can imitate an instrument. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about like the actual, a, a real instrument, an acoustic guitar, you know, electric bass or whatever. So I think that's why so much time passed. And I mean, I would go in and out of being or having one. But then, like, either I'd break it because, I mean, there were a few times, like, cause I, I, had a, I had had a pill addiction for, like, from, like, 21 to, like, let's see, my late, me and my lady been together, I think, seven years. So, let's see, probably, so probably till about 24, 25, I had a pill addiction. Four years? Yeah. What, what, what pills? Uh, any. Oh, really? <laughs> if, if I could get messed up, I would. Like, I mean, I've... I knew I had a problem. Like we were, what was it? We were going to. We went and saw yellow. The second time I saw Yellow Wolf was in Des Moines at I think this place called like People's Court. I think it was or something like that. And uh, we were at the hotel that we we got to stay the the day before. And like my buddy, just like he had, like he just one of those people. Like he never sold drugs or anything. People would just always give him pills. Like. I don't know why. <laughs> like it was just one of those things. So he had like he had Valium, Percocet, like three or four different pills, and I knew each one of them. And I've never been prescribed a single one of them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was just one of those things, like pills, like 
some people, I ain't going to say everybody, but I'd say, you know, a ton of people grew up, you know, taking, hey, I have an headache, so aspirin. Well, I never, like, there was, there was a conscious decision when I was a kid that I was like, okay, I'll probably smoke pot. I'm 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 gonna drink alcohol. Like I mean, I'll, I'll probably at least try it. You know, um, I was like, I probably try coke, and I'm like, psychedelics, maybe mushrooms, because I'm like, I don't want I don't want acid to be in my body. Like I was like, because that's the stories. I don't I don't even that's know. So funny. I'll do coke, <laughs> but not acid. Yeah, and, and, that's and, funny. Yeah, when it was like my brain, I think it was just because of the 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 aspect of what musicians may or may not do. I think it was just that. Mm-hmm. You know, they may like not all musicians party, but you, I mean, have you tried all those drugs that you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I've tried all of them. Yeah. A- acid too? No, no. Well, I haven't. I even I've I've had the opportunity to try shrooms, but I've never like. It's one of those things because like I have anxiety and stuff too, and like the few and it's so messed up because my friends are like, all right, you know, because you're in conversation, and, like you might be you might be smoking or or popping pills or whatever, and like it just comes up like you're talking about shrooms and like. A friend's like, oh, yeah, well, like, when you do them, like, make sure you do this and this. Like, certain things that everyone that I've ever talked to about shrooms that have done them, they're like, yeah, they all say it. So I'm Set like, and setting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one of them, he's like, yeah, I was throwing this party. I was throwing this kegger. And he, was, he was on shrooms. Well, then, like, he's like, it was the worst mistake of yeah, my life. No, do no not- parties and shrooms. Yeah, yeah. No, they do not go well. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're experienced, I don't recommend that. Yeah. It's um, if you're not experienced, I'd mm-hmm. recommend just like you and like a friend or two, just yeah. chill, super relaxed, mm-hmm. something that's not going to be disruptive to your state of mind. Yeah, you know, something you don't have to worry about. You don't want mm-hmm. any stressors or anxiety. Yeah, and, and you. me, I'm I'm easy. Like I mean, I nowadays I can pull myself out of certain situations mm-hmm. of my anxiety, but then sometimes I don't have it. I don't have it at all, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I just got I I gotta. What am I going to do to distract my mind? Because that could help with your anxiety. <laughs> yeah, take a small amount. Well, that's, you know? that, yeah, that's what they've said, and it's like usually, like I've probably been able to about five times in my life, but literally every time I was either broke. I think it was, that's what it usually was. I was broke or just didn't have cash on me, and like someone just had some, and they're like, "Yeah, oh yeah, I got." Mm-hmm. You know, everyone had money. I was the one that didn't have money. <laughs> well, everyone else got it first, and like even my buddy, he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll just cover you." couple times mm-hmm. and literally they just ran out of shrooms like they were like you're not even gonna get a buzz or anything off of this like it was like literally it was like a crumb or something mm-hmm. type thing uh, and I mean like probably I think every time I've just been in a room full of people tripping and yeah. I'm like I'm sitting there playing <laughs> like the first time I think we're sitting there playing uh, like Call of Duty the zombies or whatever mm-hmm. and like I was I oh I, I don't play Call of Duty I suck at it like I'm a I'm a sports Sports guy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even then, like, if there's a person that is exceptional or even decent at Madden, I'm going to get my butt kicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so I'm like, but anyway, uh, yeah, we're sitting there. So, like, the sticks finally get to me, and I'm like, y'all know I suck at this. Don't, you know, because people start dropping off like flies because the shrooms are kicking, and they're like, oh, my gosh, man. I'm like, dude, describe it to me. I can't, can't even do it. There's <laughs> yeah. no describing it. It's, a, it's an experience. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I'm like, so it's like, and it's like every time that I've had the opportunity, it's with people I'm comfortable with. It's in a setting that I'm like, I'm kosher with because I'm like, there's been some where like I knew I had it available to me, but I'm like, nah. Like I know like if I was in this situation right now and I took shrooms, I know for a fact I would have, mm-hmm. you know. I'd but, recommend your first time like do it at home. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be driving or leaving anywhere. Do it with yeah. maybe one or two people you're very close with. Mm-hmm. 
and have yeah, one, one that of you them, trust because otherwise one you like, trust mm. and one that is not doing anything completely right. sober. Just mm-hmm. just in case you need to be like brought back down to earth, mm-hmm. in case you get a little in your head, just have someone there to right. just like they are clear headed. Like, mm-hmm. And it sounds intense, but it's just it's not. It's yeah. just to like make sure everything's cool. Like that's yeah. important for that whole experience. And after you do it a couple times, you'll become more aware of it. Right. And then you can start doing it. Like, oh, I'll go somewhere and do it. You can yeah. be more Like, confident. go for a walk or something. Go for a walk. Yeah. I, yeah, it took a couple times before I, like, went on a hike. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's fun. Yeah. Going on a hike on mushrooms is great. It's hilarious. I don't know. You pass up somebody and you're just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just having a good time. You know? Well, yeah, because I think that's what they started doing. They just started dropping off playing the video game and, like, they're just all giggling. Uh, I'm like, man, this is some bull crap. The giggles are for real. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about the most giggly you've ever been. It's like Like those those late night giggles mm-hmm. when you're, like, tired and, like, yeah. you just, you can't, everything's funny no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just stupid, but you're just like, this ain't even funny. funny. The, Why am I the laughing? Way, the way your eyebrow looks, you're just yeah. laughing at it. <laughs> The way the way something on the wall is just slightly tilted, you just laugh. like the weirdest yeah. things you laugh at, but it's great. I don't mm-hmm. know. You find simplicity and humor in the finer things in life, and also mm-hmm. the not so finer things yeah. in life. It's kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah, I've never done coke or yeah. or uh, pills, like no pills at all. Yeah, I, I didn't. I I definitely like. Why any pill? Why did Why did you get to that place in your mind where you just would have wanted to take any pill? Well, I think. I think, like I was saying before, I think just naturally being able to just pop a pill, it was, it, it was the easiest thing to do for me. Mm. Like, I mean, it was like, because not that I was like, I don't know, I was just so used to if I had a headache, take something for it and it's gone. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I think, oh, and then I, I guess like, because my mom, she was schizophrenic and bipolar. And I know, I don't, I never touched any other ones. I just knew like whatever her Xanax or whatever that, that anti-anxiety pill that she had, I can't remember that, but I know it was similar to Xanax because I like Googled it at the library when like we didn't have a computer at home. So I didn't yeah. even know I didn't know Lexapro? what some of them. Yes, yeah, something, something, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Cause she had like three or four prescriptions. Like, cause like my mom, like, she hallucinated. Like Was she like that when you were a kid? Not well, that's the thing. It's like I don't like like now and like probably I'd say eighth grade on, that's when like it was like crazy but then it's like but like so when i was saying how she as religious as she was she would she would she would fast not take her medication and mind you she all like her schizophrenia her schizophrenia and bipolar disorder which it's uh schizoaffective uh yeah schizo schizoaffective disorder like she would hallucinate and and like get super depressed and like shut down and it was like, but she would like still part of her brain like would literally just it was like her brain would latch onto religion twice as hard. And there were times like Was that like her maybe rationale or reasoning behind her thoughts? Like maybe go to religion to try to give reasoning behind this this madness, which is the, that experience she was going through. Yeah, maybe. I don't cause like we never like even till now even now, like cause it's like I think her with her fasting and her not taking her medication for so long that it kind of just put her like her brain is like like you can have a conversation with her. But like, I mean, she could be sitting there and she like unless we asked her a question, she wouldn't say anything. Right. And I mean, and it's like it gets it bothers me sometimes. But it's like I it's one of those things where I have to tell myself, like, even when it makes me feel bad, like. 
I'm better off. Like I still have my mom, mm-hmm. and like she's still here, and I can have a conversation with her. But I can't have this conversation. Like I can't like. And I mean, that was the thing that that sucked too. It was like because she was like she was she was a functioning like I mean she functions, but like she's not the everyday person that we see. You know, going in and out of a grocery store mm-hmm. or or certain just certain everyday aspects of life. Like I mean, I can talk to my lady's mom and dad, and us sit there and talk for three hours. Me and my mom, it's like I don't have that, and it's like sometimes it just it hurts because it's just I mean it's it's just one of those things because you want. If everyone's doing that, but then your mom's over there doing that, and you're just like, you see it, mm-hmm. but you know, because you know her situation and where she's at mentally, there's nothing you can do. And it's mm-hmm. like, you just feel stuck and helpless. And it's just like, like even yesterday, like we, me and my lady got engaged yesterday. Whoa. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Just thank you. Yesterday. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, um, and like we were doing our Easter setup this week, uh, yesterday. And, like, her grandparents came over and, like, they just got recently vaccinated and everything. So, like, and, like, we've – because they live out in uh, Viola, well, outside of Viola, Illinois. And um, and that was just, like, I think 30 minutes outside the Quad Cities. And, like, they get, like – it's pretty much farmland. They don't own a farm, but they've got, like, a a really big pond. Like, it looks like a lake, but it's just a pond. And, like, so, like, we would go out – like, we went out there during pandemic, like, three or four times and just, like, sat, like, you know, at least six feet away – and because like they have health issues and stuff because they're older and everything, um, but like hadn't physically touched them since like pre-pandemic, and I mean you know they're two elderly people and like like even during the winter last year they were stuck in their in their home for two weeks they mm-hmm. couldn't get out, but I mean at the same time they hadn't literally felt anyone and like you know there's people that literally lost relatives. And never got to touch them again because of the pandemic. It's just like, so it's like, you know, they're at home watching the news and seeing all the negativity. And then it's like, you can't even, you know, comfort yourself by feeling the people that you love. And I'm just like, wow. Like, and like her, her grandpa, like he, you know, he, he hugged Jessica yesterday and he, he cried, you know, shed a tear. And I mean, this is a dude that like in his heyday went hunting, like, you know, mm. probably more often than anyone ever would. Mm. Tough guy. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he's a big dude. Like, he's mm. probably, like, I'd say, like, 6'1", six, 6'2", six, like, mm-hmm. really, like, 300 pounds. Like, he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Like, but... um, It just goes to show how important that human it, connection and touch is. Yeah. Touching people. Yeah. Like, man, it was robbed from people for a long time, and it this year has really put into perspective mental health. Mm-hmm. physical health i know a lot of people got i tried my best to do the opposite and a lot of people got really yeah. you know, out of shape because of it and put inside mm-hmm. can't go to gyms kind of you know um emotional eating because you're just stressed out yeah and lonely. then and then winter comes around for the people that have a winner <laughs> like, yeah winter was <laughs> winter was fine for me personally yeah. but I, I i tried my best to make that a habit of like having people around and i'm fortunate mm-hmm. enough to have roommates right right which Normally, a lot of people resent having roommates, and this year was probably the best year of anybody's life to have, you know, roommates. Yeah, be around people. Everyone's going. We're going through it together. Mm-hmm. Positive reinforcement. Like all my roommates, we've all gotten a lot healthier. And like one person sees one person working out, and now everyone wants to do it. It's, yeah, it's good. It's, it's cool. A chain reaction. Yeah, and same like, thing with music too. We just all started playing a lot more music. Just good stuff. But yeah. for a lot of people who lived alone or don't have that support system, this year and winter was terrible. Yeah, yeah. terrible. I've never seen so many adults who were, you know, air quotes, tough people just now just kind of submit 
their emotions and just be humble and just like, mm. man, I need people. I miss it. And it's serious. I don't know. I, I think I see a good change. I mean, the news is, you know, always going to be fear mongering. Yeah, but yeah. I see a good change coming. People going out more, people yeah. being vaccinated, people yeah, I can, being more I can aware. feel it. Like, oh, The man. weather's coming <laughs> yeah. and breaking. And yeah. yeah, we need to be aware still of mm. like our surroundings and knowing how safety protocols, like what we were talking about earlier. Mm. You know, people are going to wear masks and social distance and sanitize a lot in stores and yeah. restaurants for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But as far as going out in the sunlight, and just being around people out there, I think that's great. And yeah. And it's healthy for the mind. I agree. What, what good are we if our minds and spirits are broken? Yeah. You know, what good are... <laughs> and that's not going to help. We mm-hmm. know there's a lot of mental and emotional things going on with fighting physical things like disease and health. Mm-hmm. So if we're mentally and emotionally distraught, our immune system suffers. And yeah. You have no will to live. It's why a lot of older folks, they say, like, when you retire... You know, don't like keep moving. Yeah, put yeah. that energy somewhere else. Otherwise, you you fall apart. Yeah, because you're not doing anything. You gotta keep you, that brain and mo- emotions moving. Mm-hmm. You gotta be emotionally intelligent, and that's something I think it's overlooked a lot because we have mental health, right? Yeah. We have these therapists, psychiatrists, shrinks, what what have you, psychologists, and then you have your physical health. You have trainers, athletic trainers, physical trainers, doctors go to the gym, but what about that gap in the middle? That emotional health, like venting, talking through mm-hmm. things, listening to somebody else, trying to put yourself in their shoes and understanding yeah. where they came from. You know, a lot of a lot of black men and black women and black people came up in such harsh conditions because just purely who you are, just your skin yeah. color. You didn't even do anything. Like nothing happened. You just yeah. were born yeah. in that neighborhood in yeah. Davenport yeah. with the guy beating the dog next door. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just an income thing because you can hear that same story and it could be someone in the foothills of West Virginia and it's just a white guy and his yeah. neighbor is a poor guy beating a dog with you before. Like mm-hmm. it, you start to realize it has to do with income. Yep. And then there's that caveat of skin color. You put income and skin color and people just get weird. They get, they, it's like you want to, everyone wants to be above the next person. So like yeah. as long as someone can be one notch below them, you feel better at night or something. I don't know. Yeah. I can't get to that place in my head. Um, but it's it's a thing. Yeah. And it's really disturbing. And yeah, because I've, I've never been like, I think that's like, I, I don't even know where that comes. Because like a lot, like I was saying, a lot of me comes from other people. Mm-hmm. But then some of it doesn't. And it's like, it it blows my mind when I've met people that, like even people in my neighborhood that just think completely different, and it's just like, like if we were rate, like me and my, well, me and my brother, like his, even though we're brothers, and yeah, even the aspect of us having different dads, I know that's a factor. But even siblings that are completely different and they're total opposites, and like, hey, this person's a Democrat, this person's a Republican, and it's just like, what you were raised the same way, and it's like, you know, you're not gonna have the one. Like there are plenty of households that I'm sure it's like that, but then like say if you have. One that's a racist and the other one's not, and they weren't raised racist mm-hmm. or vice versa. Like, hey, they were raised racist, but this one's not one, and they've mm-hmm. never been. And somehow their brain just, day one, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Regardless of what you tell me, that's wrong. And the other one, this is right, regardless of what you say. Mm-hmm. It's and complicated. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really nuanced. Do <laughs> you realize it's, it's genetics? Mm-hmm. It's environment. It's... Did your parent favor you over the next person? Did they, did your sibling meet the wrong person at the wrong time at six years old? Yeah. 
and you didn't like there's so many factors well and, and it's like like great great example of that um there's this bar creekside that i used to do karaoke at all the time and like like back in that heyday when i had my pill addiction i would go out and get hammered and i was i worked there and i like bar back all the time and then just do karaoke all the time and then like so you were mixing pills and alcohol oh yeah i was i was it was this it wasn't even a relationship but it was like Probably one of the strongest loves I've ever had in my life. Was, and it was, was pill and alcohol? No, this chick. This oh. chick. And, like, yeah, what? my bad. My bad. No, no okay. yeah. One is like at some point I'm sure that was a thing, but it was like like with Xanax, like it was so bad because one, I didn't have a lot of money. Like I had a job, but I didn't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it was like I'd take one and like it would intensify anything any like I could have one beer and it would intensify it by like three. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. So it was the one, it was an easy way for me to get messed up. And two, I was dealing with that, br- that heartbreak. And so it was, and I didn't learn how to, you know, I, I like with, with my mom being the way she was, she was a very strict parent. So like my aunts and uncles, you know, they playfully, but seriously, they're like, Hey, how many girlfriends you got? Cause I would have like, like one of my cousins went to Iowa and played football there. And like most of my family were athletes and, and you know, they're they're social people, so you know they do what most people have. They have girlfriends and boyfriends and whatever else. Well, we weren't allowed to, you know, have. And I think, like, I mean, even even growing up, my mom didn't have sex talk with us, or like, you know, and I mean, I'm sure that's hard. I'm, you know, and she's a single parent, so she's just she's just doing what she thinks is right, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I mean, my aunt was like, "Hey, how many girlfriends do you have, or or what's going on? Do you have a girlfriend?" and you better not have a girl. I mean, even in a high school. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm just like, what is like, you know, and I think part of it was, was, was my uncle passing from AIDS and then just like, um, our dad's not sticking around and just her experience in life. Cause I know other stuff happened to her. And I mean, she wasn't like, you know, day one born and being schizophrenic, like her schizophrenia was either, you know, I'm obviously it was there. It just didn't show itself. For you know, whenever it started, like fully, like in her twenties, or I, honestly, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know because mm. I mean, it's like I have friends that, like, I have friends that that would self medicate. Like that friends told me, like they were like, like he's like, we knew he was schizophrenic, but like he wasn't taking medication, and you just get messed up all the time. Mm. And it's like me with my mom. Like I mean, I saw her drinking, you know, but not like an alcoholic would drink. Like it, there was a social gathering. It's like like me, if I go somewhere and people are drinking, I'll have a few beers. Or or if I'm in the right environment or whatever to where I can get hammered, I'm going to get hammered. Like it wasn't anything like excessive or anything. So it was like – but I do know at some point – like I would say – I mean she was 28 I think when she had me. So probably for me when I when I noticed her her changing I guess, mm-hmm. um, maybe – maybe like late thirties. Okay. So, I mean, but I mean, it could have been there, but me from what I, it all depends, I guess on the, the difference of it, because like, I mean, she could have been medicated that whole time. Like since birth, she could have been on that medication, but I don't know, you know, yeah, type thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sorry. I got sidetracked in my brain. You're talking about the love of your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pills, alcohol, bar yeah. backing. Yeah, so with having, like, without having, yeah, she never talked about it with love. So it was like, I didn't know, I didn't get to go through those experiences in, like, you know, say junior high or high school when people start dating or, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, I mean, I had crushes on girls and, like, I, 
like even like mutual situations, but like I like I could date you right now. If I asked you out, I know we would date because mm-hmm. like it's just there. Like mm-hmm. you like me, I do like you, but I can't I can't put it into words or I can't even just be like, hey, let's date. Like yeah. because I was I had the fear of my mom in the back of my head. You, me, my friend, very similar upbringings. <laughs> what you just said, I resonate with. Yeah. Same thing. Very challenging situation mm-hmm. to be going through puberty, be a boy, be anybody. Yeah. And you're like, you're feeling all those things and genuine. Like, yeah. you like someone, they like you. It's real. But you like, you can't, you're not supposed to date. Can't yeah. date. Too young. Yeah. Can't have sex. Premarital sex. Can't do any of it. And then you're kind of just stuck. You don't yeah. know how to express that. So... I don't know. I acted out in a way of where I just like went introverted. I just mm-hmm. like hid away because it's like, well, if I can't express it, yeah, I want to. I internalize I, you know, a lot. Might as well write some poems about it and <laughs> exactly. go hide away and write songs. Exactly. So I re- I resonate with you, but keep going. Um. But yeah. Um. So it was like that was like the like I there was, I think my senior year was like the first time I had an actual girlfriend, mm. and then like we like. Literally, I talked to her for like two months before I got the nerve to like ask her out. And then it was it was like a weird situation because it was like she broke up with her boyfriend to be with me. And I knew that, but it was like it was one of those things I'd never asked a girl out. And she was like a sophomore or something. So it was like a weird – like it wasn't weird, but it was like weird. I think that played a part. But then it was just like I was so scared. Asked her out. She like dumped me the next day. And I was like – and it was cool. I was fine with it. But then, like, she kind of changed, and I think, like, she started dating some other dude after that because I think I waited too long. Mm-hmm. And, like, she just emotionally or the attachment of whatever we had going on, just she kind of moved past it because she's like, why is not he asked me out? I've literally told him I broke up. And, and I think that aspect kind of hampered me wanting to ask her out because I'm like, it's kind of messed up. Like, you can't just break up with a guy just because, like, you like me. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like, it's either it's – either, I don't know, you're not right or wrong in the situation, but it just felt wrong. Like, I did something. And, like, we didn't do anything. Like, we we hung out a couple times, and, like, we knew we mutually liked each other. But it was, like, we knew there was a boyfriend, and I was, like, so I backed off as much as I could. Like, but we were still friends, so it was kind of a weird position to be in. And I just, you know, I just thought it was wrong on her part, and then I just, I didn't move in. Plus, I'm, like, this is my first experience with, like, like, I knew there were girls that liked me, but this is one where I'm more confident in, like, okay, I'm starting to come out of my shell, so my confidence is a little bit closer to where I want it to be. Plus, I'm a senior in high school. Like, I had backlashed and stuff a little bit, but, I mean, like, I was still always, like, I would say, like, if my mom was, like, the regular mom, I'd definitely be a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Like, hands down. Oh, like, yeah. Even if my dad would have been there, like, I would have been a mama's boy. Like, yeah. hands down. And, um... But, yeah, like, that situation happened. Then, like, fast forward, like, three or four years. And, I mean, they were, like, like working at Burger King. I had females that had crushes on me and stuff. But still, that, that my mom's just, like, it was almost like my mom was looking over my shoulder all the time. I mean, yeah. there, were, there were times we were, we were at this church in Rockford this one time. And I can't remember the church, but actually, like, we were at a revival. And you know what those are by chance? I should, okay. All right, anything well, everyone you say about— else, Christianity in yeah, any way, shape, or I I relate. <laughs> well, 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 like for for anyone that doesn't, I should say, um, it's almost like it's it just a ton of music. Like I don't, I wish I knew the name of this church. I mean, this thing was huge, and we we came from Davenport, went to Rockford because I think that was like the parent church of like 
I don't even know how it breaks down, but like, what was that church? Pentecostal maybe? Mm. And like that one, it was like, this was, oh, this is like the closest. I don't, I don't even know how it breaks down. Like, um, like say, like say you have a Catholic church and then like you have the, the priest and like if they I don't know if they go to Rome or whatnot to see the main house like there's tears mm-hmm. I guess to certain stuff and this was mm-hmm. like the parent of this section well we go there and like there's like three or four different churches there and like each choir from that church gets up there and does their thing and I think there's like one preacher for the for the whole night and it's like I don't know they might preach for like a half hour 45 minute I'm sure it was longer than that because most of the time we did not get out of church on time <laughs> Um, but I mean, we didn't even get there till like we probably pulled in like six or seven, and then we get out of there at like midnight because all the choirs had did their thing, and like it was crazy because so this like this dude he had to be like six three, but I mean he had been he might have been bigger than that. I just wasn't standing up next to him, mm. and he's like three hundred pounds. He's wearing this like pimped like literally if this dude wasn't a pastor and you saw him at a grocery store you would think he was a pimp because i mean this suit was so slick and i mean this dude just there was this con like if if anyone's ever been to a church when when a pastor has just that confidence and that swag that they're just you know they just have it you know <laughs> like and he like and he he gets up starts singing this song and then his his niece joins him which i think she went to the church well it's uh not Kelly. Uh, there's Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, and then Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams went to that church, and I'm like, she looks familiar. And Michelle then, Williams, the actor uh, from from uh, from Destiny's Child. Oh, the long black hair. Okay, yeah. So like, she starts singing the song, and I'm like, and my mom had this CD. It had this flower on it. And it didn't have. It was one of those that didn't have the title of the actual artist or the or the uh, the CD. And I'm like, this, I know this song. I start singing with it. And I'm like looking at my cousin. I'm like, who is she? And she's like, you don't know who that is? I was like, no. She's like, that's Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's like her, like her, I think the pastor of that church was her uncle or like, or originally they're from that church and then they've done their, their own things. So yeah, church gets over like. And like they usually fed us because we just get back on the bus that we came in, one of the charter buses. We get some food in their in their like dining area, and then hop back on the bus after we're done eating. So we're in this like lobby area, and uh, we're just hanging out. And I keep seeing like this girl. She's like, I thought she was looking past me because I'm like, you know, like this, and it's like church. So I'm like, you know, it's just one of these things. I'm like, why does she keep looking down there? So she walks up at some point, and she's like. You're a very handsome young man. My mom's right behind me talking to my brother. And I'm like, and there's literally no one else within like 20, 30 feet on either side of us. And I'm like, and I mean, it's it like it was the most polite way of hitting on someone in a church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, thank you. And I just power walked and went into the place to get food. And I'm just like. So, wow, that must have been mind-blowing. <laughs> it was, because it was, like, the first, like, I mean, that's happened other times, too, but, I mean, that was the first blatant, and I'm just like, and this is a chick that goes to some other church. I've never seen her in my life mm-hmm. prior to this, and I've never seen her since. Mm-hmm. But it was just, like, the most, it was the most awkward situation to be put in. And I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. Just like, like, if this was at school, maybe I'm, I probably would have had a count, and 
if we were in school and my mom wasn't here, I'd probably be <laughs> the mom. The thumb, the thumbprint of the mom. Yeah. Man, it's a very real thing. It is. It is. It seriously is. I mean, because it, I mean, oh, and it's, and it's so crazy, like, because that was probably like rough. That was junior high for sure. But it was like, even after all that, like, probably sophomore, junior year, like, when my mom's schizophrenia was like hitting crazy and like she's like, fasting and not taking her medication while fasting so one she's already draining herself of all these things that she needs in her body you know for 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 the religion so she's only drinking water and eating bread or or i think some of that type of stuff and but then on top of that she's not taking medication that keeps her brain you know wherever wherever it leaves her balance is possible Yeah, yeah exactly so then like she's not getting all this stuff well then like i remember there were times like i had to call my grandma and, like, luckily, she only lives, like, maybe 10 minutes away from us, even though she lives in a different city. And, like, I'm like, hey, Grandma, Mom will not let us leave the house. And, I mean, literally just, like, like when you see an actor or actress, like, being in a different character and you're just like, oh, my God, this is the most believable thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, like, literally holding the – and, I mean, like I said, my mom was in the National Guard for a long time still. But then also she's, like – mentally somewhere else like her reality isn't where what we're looking at and she's like if you go out there the devil's gonna get you and i mean just like and like even our natural reaction to it was just like mom you're because we were so used to her being that way from time to time that it was like we were laughing we're like mom like we're hysterically laughing because like one we don't know what else to do and two we're used to this and and we i mean honestly for a long time, like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think everyone was schizophrenic and stuff, but I also didn't know my mom was schizophrenic until, like, years later. Like, because, like, without reading those pill bottles, I didn't even know she was schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Like, like I like for me, I just, I honestly, I chalked it up to, well, she's fasting, so, like, this could be just affecting her differently. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, like my grandma physically had to remove her from the door. And I mean, a lot of times we would get into situational stuff like argument. And I mean, and my, like we sucked that communication as it was when she was, you know, balanced. And it was because that was just our form of communicating. Like we never and, and part of it was because she was schizophrenic and bipolar because when she would when she would be, you know, not taking her medication, but then she's not fasting. She's actually, you know, she's not balanced, but she's more, she's a little bit more level because she's eating at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. So it's like her brain's doing what it naturally does, but like she just seems, I don't know, she seems agitated and frustrated more than anything, I guess, at, at times. And so like naturally, and then like, you know, she grew up in a time where it was cool to put your hands on a kid or like, or if I, which I mean, don't get me wrong, like I don't, I don't condone being like, oh, I deserve to get beat or something or hit with a belt or a fly sweater, which I'm like, whatever. That's how it was back then. But there were times where, I mean, naturally, if you get hit by a belt and hit with a belt and it's like it was a situation where you were arguing with your brother and he started the argument or did something. And then and then it almost felt like I did something wrong because I was the only one that got hit with the belt. It, it feels a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I'm the older brother, but then it's like when it, even though or or in times if I did do something wrong, like say I did start the argument and I'm the one getting hit, 
regardless, I'm getting hit and I'm going to backlash because I'm like, or I'm, because there's only two ways you're going to go with it. You're either just going to take it and shut up or you're going to be like, B word, because that's what I would do because there were so many different situations. Like I still, I, I hate, I hate that I used to do that, but it was like, it was the only thing I had because I'm like, like I always told people, I was like, if my mom was my dad in some of those situations, I would have hit her. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was a female and I respected my mom, I mean, don't get me wrong, my dad, if he was in my life, there it, there could have been a barrier of me not hitting him. But my thing is, I'm just like, there were times I wanted to, but I wasn't going to because I'm like, one, I'm at some point I was bigger than her. Mm-hmm. At some point I might have been stronger than her. But I was just like, no, nah, like, I, it's no matter how I was feeling in that moment, whether I was right or wrong, I was just like, I mean, it was never a, a life or death situation. Like, there was like one time she, she hit me with a two by four. <laughs> But I was also being a jerk, and I was calling her out of her name, and it's like I still regret it. But I'm like, you know, I don't even yeah, remember but calling what somebody out doesn't warrant getting no, hit no, with a two by four. No, I agree. <laughs> but but I mean, oh my god, yeah, like because she one was like that was the thing, and was like I think it was one of those moments where like she hit me with like a fly swatter or like a belt. But it's like at some point, like when like you know your body become not calloused or something, but like whatever, you just start growing like you're immune to something because it's happened so many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, it didn't hurt. Like it hurt, but I'm just, I'm my tolerance. Your for, threshold for yeah, pain went up high. Exactly. So it's like, and I think it was a moment where I was like, that didn't hurt after she did it. And it's just like, it pissed her off more. And it was like, I did some, I know for a fact I did something wrong, but yes, it didn't warrant that. But literally she's just to a point where I pissed her off so bad. It's like, are you for real? So I was like, so she goes out the door and she's like, she just goes out the door. I'm like, what the fuck are you? And I mean, cause that's how, that's literally how, like I was, I was a jerk off. Um, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you going outside? She opens that door again. She's got two by four. I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you going to do with that? You better not hit me with that. son of a bitch. And literally just right across the knuckles. And I'm like, this is so fucking bull-. Ah, did you break your finger? No, like she didn't, like she didn't full on. Okay. She like. She hit me, but like, like she didn't put her whole power behind it. Mm-hmm. Like it was just one of those like whack, but it wasn't like I'm gonna come across your swing. Yeah, like yeah. kill you. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of those ones like Still. I need you to back down right now. <laughs> like, and I wasn't, but that's hard, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it was, it was just one of those things because it was just like, it always felt like I did something. Like even like, I remember there were times where they would have to bribe my brother to be good. And it was like, I was the kid that was like consistently good. So it was like, but that's where some of my backlash, like my backlash came from so many different areas. Like, I mean, hey, why are you acting white? Hey, why are you doing this? Hey, like, why are we poor? Hey, like, like, cause my brain is just, I'm getting shit from every direction. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a weird thing that people do? Like, yeah. why are you acting white? Why are you acting black? Yeah. Why and I never got, like, I never understood it. Like, I mean, and to this day, I, st- I get why people say that. Bec- I mean, we're conditioned a certain way clearly because it's like, I mean. But it adds a negative connotation yeah. to a whole race. Yeah. And it's, like, and it's so messed up. It's because, messed up. Like, if you're black and they're saying, like, don't act white, in your mind, yeah. what does that mean to you when someone's saying that? Like, only you know. Yeah. What does it mean when, when your friends are saying, like, hey, why are you acting white? Yeah. Like, what do you think? What do you think that, what is it? What are they trying to say? Are they uh, trying to say like you're acting like the other? Yeah. You're acting better than us. You're mm-hmm. acting worse than like what is it? What is yeah. it? Because I know when you're a white person and someone says it, they're trying to say like you're acting worse. Yeah. You're pretty much saying everyone who's black is less and you're acting like less. Yeah. And I'm telling you what 
it is mean. I'm not saying that's what I think, but that's right, what right. I know. That's what people mean when they say it. Mm-hmm. You know, why you pull your pants up? Why why are you sagging? Yeah. Why are you listening to that music? Yeah. Why are you acting that? Why are you going to that neighborhood? Why are you eating that food? Mm-hmm. Just all of it, everything. It's mm-hmm. like the the eh, eh, it's a that the other yeah. like this the not knowing the fear of the not knowing, but because they can assume so much, they can just say like, why are you acting black? Why are you mm-hmm. acting like that? And yeah. It's so weird. Like yeah, because I, I I remember like time like I remember when I got older because after like at some point there was a a part of me that just said I don't give a shit anymore like mm-hmm. I didn't like I gave a crap about the world but I didn't at the same time because that was where that my backbone kicked in at some point and it was like there was one time I remember we're sitting on the porch you know just the kick it thing and I mean it was almost like a uh it wasn't an ongoing joke but it was always there was always like a test of metal from me. Like, for people. And it was just like, Terrence, why are you always hanging out with white people? And I was just like, because white people don't ask me why I hang out with black people. And it was just it was just a natural mm-hmm. response. But, I mean, and it's like, even when I look at life now, like, most of my friends aren't black. But it's not that, oh, I hate black people. Like, I mean, because, like, there's, you know, the internet right now would be, like, if I, if I posted that story and, like, I was, you know, somewhat a million followers Someone would be like, oh, well, you have that. That's because this person got you thinking this way and that way. No, it's because guess what? Commonality or guess what? These are just my friends. These are people that I trust in my life. Yeah. It's like there's people that look like everything that I if I don't know you and don't spend the time with you to see your tendencies as a person. I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's just like, a person. Yeah, thing. it doesn't yeah. matter the skin it's color, like, age. It's just, how are you as a person? Yeah, because yeah. it's like I respect you, but I don't trust you until, like, I mean, I respect you, and I, I mean, there's, there's a, I'll give you that trust until I have to take it from you, because mm. it's like, I mean, if if you're a person and you seem like a a good person, like, hey, you move this chair or help someone, like, just this little thing that you went out of your way just a little bit to help somebody. Guess what? There's a there's a tick. For me to be like, okay, you're a good person. And then like, hey, you just robbed somebody at gunpoint. Guess what? I don't want you in my life. I don't care what you look like. Mm-hmm. I just w- saw you rob somebody. And mm-hmm. it's like, you could be a good person, but I watched you rob somebody with a gun. Yeah. I don't want to be around you ever again. Mm-hmm. More than likely. Yeah. It's it's not <laughs> it's not a skin thing. No. It's, it's a person thing. Exactly. I've met terrible women. I've met mm-hmm. terrible men. I've met terrible white men. Yeah. I've met terrible black men. I've met mm-hmm. terrible people. And yeah. I've met great, extraordinary, inspirational people of all backgrounds, yeah. education, money. It does matter. How are you as a person? And usually that terrible, I'm using it a little uh, hyperbolically, but I mean like they might need help. Maybe they came from yeah. a bad situation. They just mm-hmm. need some structured something, influence, yeah. help, whatever it is. But it has nothing to do with, I've met white dudes that are criminals, that mm-hmm. done heinous things that, you know, get DUIs and hurt people and have cheated and stolen and they're white. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with skin color. Nope. I don't want to hang out with them or <laughs> I, I I might want to give them my advice and try to be there for them but I want to distance myself. Yeah. It has nothing to do with skin color. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's a sad thing to for people to chalk up like crime and issues to skin color. It's usually income. Yeah. It's usually income. Yeah. And um, obviously, you know, because of the income inequality in the world and you know, forever, people of color being pushed into worse neighborhoods and not getting the yeah. help and the proper taxes, and it's a whole infrastructure problem. But yeah, it's it's nuts, and it's like some people don't see it, and I'm just like, I get it, because it's like, 
Some people, you live, like, it's not a fantasy world. It's just you're— Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, they don't exactly. know They're literally ignorant of it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All it takes is just talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. Just talk to people. That's what I wanted. Like, that's what sparked this podcast idea. It's just, yeah. like, talking to people, learning mm-hmm. from them, meeting them, doing what I do. You meet a lot of interesting people, and it's, like, it's important to just listen. Yeah. You know, I can't—what you've told me in the last few hours, I can't— I'm not going to learn in a college course. Not like no, this. No, not like this. Definitely not. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to learn from just walking down the streets and just assuming stuff. Right. You know, it's, I, I, I tell people like, get in your car and just go drive through some neighborhoods in Chicago and just look around. Yeah. Yeah. And then go back to your nice, peaceful white suburb with no garbage in the ground with, with a nice, you know, police force and firemen mm-hmm. force. And, you know, the, the post office guy isn't afraid to, deliver packages because there's not going to be, you know, someone's dog trying to kill them. Right. Just the little things, the yeah. little things. Or, it, like, it literally looks safe. Like, when yeah, you drive safe. into a neighborhood and it looks safe. You feel safe. Yeah. Just not seeing garbage everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere because. Because yeah. you know it's clean and it's kept. Yeah. Well, when you live in a neighborhood, like, would, did your neighborhood have garbage around it? Was it, like, I was mean, it kind of clean? It, yeah, it was, It was. I'd say it was majority on the clean, clean, clean side. Yeah. Um. I mean, you would see it, but like not as drastic as some other places. Some other places. But there's some places you look at and you're like, yeah, nobody cares here. Yeah, about yeah, anything. Like the grass isn't cut. Like just there's nothing. Garbage just in the lawn. Like everything that yeah. makes something look good. Like the whole landscape isn't groomed. Like yeah. nothing is groomed from yeah. garbage to bushes, the trees, the fences bent over mm-hmm. to spray paint. It's just everything's not groomed in yeah. it. Yeah, because we had pockets of it. Like like my next door neighbor, his his back lawn. Like he didn't keep it, but. Like my like literally the like I was saying the guy that worked at Warner Bros he cut his lawn religiously. Mm-hmm. I mean like like yeah he didn't like go out there like how some some guys or or some people that take care of their lawns and 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 everything like I mean he trimmed the bushes and stuff but I mean he wasn't like oh yeah I gotta yeah going I gotta crazy make sure it. this is <laughs> yeah with uh, <laughs> just plucking it with uh, yeah. with pl- uh, pliers and and. And uh, Q-tip, not Q-tip, so what's it mm. called? Tweezers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's weird. Like, your environment is so important. Mm. If you're in a bad area and there's trash everywhere and it's roughed up and spray paint and the streets are all potholes everywhere, you, like, don't have the motivation to take yeah. care of it. Like, it's, nobody cares here. So, like, mm-hmm. I might as well, like, I don't have an investment in this. The city doesn't. Right. The state doesn't. The government doesn't. Yeah, so, like, so why, why should, should I? Exactly. And then you go to a nice neighborhood where everyone cares. They put in a lot of taxes. Everyone's, like... Nobody litters. Mm-hmm. No one leaves trash in their front yard. No one, like, the grass is cut. Everything looks yeah. well-fed. They care. It's your environment. And I wish it wasn't a financial thing, but it costs money to take care of these yeah. things, you know? It's, yeah. it's, I don't, I just don't get why, you know, the government has put out so much money to help people over the last couple of years, this last year. Yeah. It's like, why don't they go help out all these neighborhoods? Man. Like, what is going on? There's, like, that's something I've learned over time. It's just, like, I don't, there's, obviously, there's no right or wrong, like, there's no answer, because it's, like, when you look, especially politics, and, like, like even, even just in a city or, like, a town, like, there's politics within the politics that it's just, like, it doesn't, it, it makes sense when you talk to someone on it, but it's, like, you're, like, the people in power, like, sometimes yeah, you're the mayor, but you don't really run the city. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just like sometimes it breaks. I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, that's how it breaks down in general because it's like the people really running stuff. It's not them running stuff, it's the people with the money 
that runs stuff. It's always stuff. money. Yeah. It's always money. And it's just like... You got to take money out of politics, which yeah. is kind of impossible. <laughs> Especially at this it's point. It's an oxymoron <laughs> to not have money in politics. Yeah. <sighs> And it's just one. Well, it's like it's it's so crazy because like especially growing up in the neighborhood I I grew up in, like the more I I moved out of my neighborhood, like it's it's crazy because how they say the world's so small, you know, like I don't know, like like cop, like knowing a cop and like his brother is a known drug dealer, like or like maybe they're not a known drug dealer, but like somebody's like, dude, his brother sells, like his brother's one of the biggest dealers in town. And you're just like, wait, what? And like, you've seen this guy, didn't know, blah, blah, but it's a known thing, whatever, situational. But it's just like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, yeah. And then it's just like, at the same time, you're like, well, it kind of does because like, this person's not going to pull this person over. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? It's a police officer. What do police officers do? If that police officer's on the side of every other cop, guess what? Yeah. It's, None it's, of those cops are going to pull over that it's one. It's corrupt. Person. Yeah. But it's corrupt just, just like how. Because there's that, they work for the government and there's the ethics there, mm-hmm. it's just as corrupt as we are with our friends. Like, you mm-hmm. know a guy, he yep. hooks you up because he's your friend. Right. It's the same mental concept as like a yeah. cop who has a friend who's a cop and he's just not going to like do him dirty like that. Well, he's yep. just going to like let him go. Yeah. Maybe warn him, you know? Just mm-hmm. like, you know a guy who's going to help you with something. Exactly. It's like the same brotherhood, the same mentality. It's not right, but it, that's where they're. That's where it's coming from. Yeah. And oh, you yeah. grow up with that. Mm-hmm. And like that's what you do when you're a kid, you're a teenager, you help each other out. Like, oh, I'm not going to tell him. That's my brother. Yeah. You know, you have that that secret bond with your siblings. You don't tell each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? So do friends. So do politics. So do police officers. So does military. Mm-hmm. Firemen. It's the same thing. So if you're like, oh... No, they're they're filthy. They're, they're corrupt. They do. It's like, dude, that's human nature. Yeah, you it's have your tribe. Matter, you yeah, have your and, tribe, and you just have your level of. It okay, just scales are you willing up. to do yeah. this? Um, no, and you didn't tell me this. <laughs> it gets it gets dark and dirty when you get politics and money involved. It, exactly. But that mindset of like, oh, I gotta hook them, hook them up. Like they're my friend, my yeah. tribe. Like I'm not yeah. gonna do them dirty like that. Like, you know, you have your best friends. Like, yeah, I would do anything for you. You would never rat on them. You wouldn't mm-hmm. tell the cops on them. Yeah, it happens with police officers. It's just. They're wearing a badge and they're supposed to represent mm-hmm. us. You know, yeah. they're serve and protect. Yeah. It's complicated, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like, a lot. <laughs> well, it's like, and it's so crazy because it's like the world's complicated, but not at the same time. So you're just like, we got a little ant. <laughs> Let him go. Yeah, he's all good. Uh, but yeah, it's like the world is complicated, but then it's not at the same time. And you're just like, so I was like, I get why people like, like, I mean, my anxieties, like, most of my anxieties in life, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have moments, but it's like, I mean, it could be triggered from my past and I just get in my head. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I really don't know. But then, I mean, like, I didn't get on my first plane ride until like three years ago. And it's just like, so I'd never flown anywhere. And then, like, I mean, even up until that plane ride, like, I'd been to Chicago. Like, I'd never left the Midwest. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, I went from. Why is that? I mean, we, us being poor and then. I think we just we weren't involved like like I could have played sports but we didn't like I would like like I would have had to ask somebody else to help pay for me being able to play sports like shoes like hey here's football cleats you know paying for what you have to pay for outside of those things and sometimes it's not like football probably might be one of the cheaper sports to pay for like unless you're like on a travel team or something 
But I mean, we didn't like we took vacations. I mean, we didn't take vacations. Like, like that's what I'm saying. Like when you asked, like when did I start leaving my neighborhood or whatever? I mean, like me going ten blocks away to my friend's house sometimes was like a vacation or like mm-hmm. staying at a relative's house. I mean, sometimes we would like. I think I, I think when my cousin was at Iowa, we we went up there a few times. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's forty five minutes away. Like, and it's just like I I was also fearful of of. Like one with my mom's schizophrenia and bipolar, and then at some point, her her schizophrenia and everything. But then, like at some point, my brother went to prison, and literally, it was like, like I was like, for whatever reason, like I think it's just the my mom's state of mind. Like I didn't know, like because I've I've heard stories of how schizophrenia can, you know, have people react to stuff, and like plus you never know a person's situation without like you're not in their head, so you don't know where they're at. Um, but when he went to prison, I was like. Like, I was contemplating moving, like, even to Chicago because I'm, like, I couldn't find a band. Like, I've always wanted to be in a band. Like, whether it was a hip-hop band, whether it was R&B, whether it was soul, whether it was rock. I mean, that's, like, I don't know my sound. Like, I'm still finding my sound because, you know, it it all depends on the people behind me doing stuff. But, I mean, I would I would Craigslist, and I'm, like, I would get responses, like, the day after. Like, I would, I would put the link up from a SoundCloud, and, like, it'd just be, like, my hip-hop stuff or something that showcased my vocals. <laughs> At Craigslist and like just trying to get feedback and people were like, "Hey, dude, like we're looking for a vocalist. Like, do you want to be in a band?" And I'm like, "I do," and like I mean, literally almost moved to Chicago a few times. And but I mean, it was gonna be like get on a Greyhound bus and just get here. Mm-hmm. But I never took that step because there was always this little, like I'm like, even though I was three hours away, I'm like, man, if something happens with my mom, yeah. Plus, I didn't want to like, I didn't, I, in my head, I'm like, because what they kind of say with like schizophrenia or what I've read and stuff they're like it's like usually a traumatic thing that kind of just triggers it or something or something along those lines a little bit um and I was worried that me I would do that you see it the ants on the microphone <laughs> yeah, I saw it. that too <laughs> that's funny but like um but I thought that might like I was worried it would trigger her to go deeper into her schizophrenia like hey this son's you know in prison and this son's like he moved away and I'm like, even though it's three hours away, because I mean, and my thing is, I hadn't, we didn't really travel. So it's like three hours. I mean, it's not, it's really not that far away. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, I mean, because even getting on a Greyhound, like usually when I fly now, like when I've flown, I get on a Greyhound because I don't have to drive, I don't have to drive up, don't have to pay for my car to be somewhere, get on the Greyhound, stay with my cousin. She drops me off at the airport and I fly out, fly back in when I'm done. And then either ride the Greyhound back or if she's going back to the Quad City, she'll just take me with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, literally, I could have just done that. And I mean, it's like, even on the Greyhound, I think it's like, it just adds a trip to maybe a couple hours longer. But most of the time, mm-hmm. we just go straight through. Um, That's a big thing that uh, is very much overlooked and underestimated, the having money yeah. to travel. Yeah. You know, like my vacations growing up were not quite like yours where you you stayed close. You didn't mm-hmm. really go anywhere. Like, But we didn't have a lot of money, but so we would camp. Yeah. So we'd go places around the Midwest and the South Tennessee, Kentucky, oh, nice, Michigan, nice. but it was camping. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah, like- Yeah, because you're not doing a lot, but you're it's, just- It's cheap to camp. Exactly, you know, my parents exactly. would spend not a lot of money for a whole week for us to go camping. Right. And it was fun and it was different. You know, some people go to resorts and they mm-hmm. go to Europe and they yeah. were here and I never did any of that. Well, and that's, that's what I'm saying because like now I'm just like- like especially through music, you you meet these people like like people that follow you on social media. That I mean, well, the bands that you have come through, I can only imagine with some of these. I mean, what, what is it, Rat Boys that you've had? Rat a few Boys, times? yeah. I mean, I'm sure they've done you know 
bigger. <laughs> like, I'm sure they travel outside the states if they haven't they've, they've yet. Toured they've, Europe, yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, you know, and that's that's music taking them there. I mean, yeah. they might have some of them might have grown up that way, but but I mean, people who have who are crazy. fortunate enough to travel the world as kids or have parents that could take them around or yeah. go just anywhere, they need to. They should know how important that is because some people yeah. never leave their town. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, honestly, yeah, because you could pass like especially me, like I've passed through towns where it's like you meet someone and like I I would guess that I was the only black person they had seen, mm-hmm. and I mean like I think there was one situation. It wasn't anything bad. They were just like like they weren't caught off guard or anything. It was just like, hey, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it was just like, but they were so chill about it. You yeah. know, they were super respectful and like. But it's like, you worry about that sometimes. But it's like sometimes it's that person never left their neighborhood, mm-hmm. and it's like that's where you know sometimes. Hey, I've never seen a black person, or hey, I've never seen you know uh, an Indian person or or mm-hmm. Native American or whatever. And you're just like, holy cow! And uh, and the Quad Cities is like. I think just under like half a million people. So I'm like, at this point, I know I've seen, you know, someone that either is from another culture or resembles another culture that I've never experienced in my right. life. And it's just like, it's it's the unknown. Like they don't know about such. So they're like, all I know is like, hey, I might be open to you or my brain takes over and it's like, well, I've seen movies and this tells me that you're a bad person mm-hmm. or you were raised the way that you were mm-hmm. it's just like <laughs> that prejudice kicks <laughs> yeah. in for people yeah and it, it goes a lot of different ways there's different mm-hmm. races that don't like other races it's not just always white, yeah. white to black it's, or, or it's, then hearing the news about like like the Middle East and it's like literally if all these people are in the same room you'd be like there's no way you have an issue with each other I mm-hmm. mean I guess it would break down to like gangs but there's are I guess you know different countries or or Maybe a different religion or something. Sometimes you're the same race, like you're saying with gangs, yeah. and you have issues with each other just because yeah. different territories. Yeah. It's, it's this tribalism thing we do with teams, <laughs> sports teams, you know, <laughs> bands, cities, states, <laughs> rivalries, countries, ethnicities, religions, competition. My religion no matter is better, than what. Your, better than yours. And it's this weird competitive nature us humans mm-hmm. have to survive this drive. Yeah, and we uh, misuse it. I think we become really bored with ourselves. Yeah, and we sit there, and because we have nothing going on, because we've we manipulated our environment so much that we've simplified life to where we're just kind of sitting there. We have a lot of energy we need to disperse. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't do anything with it. You sit there pondering the dumbest stuff ever. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't like the way that person said that. Like, the you know, the online mob of just trying to cancel people. Oh, man. It's ridiculous, yeah. right? It is. It is. And it's like, I mean, because that's what sucks. It's like, and like, I think the thing that's been ma- making me so mad now is like when – it's always there's the people that's like, oh well, it's just the cancel culture, and you're just like, dude, they did something wrong, and it's like there's accountability regardless. Mm-hmm. Like if you do something bad, whether you're caught or not, you still did something bad. There's nothing taken from that. Mm-hmm. Like you just got lucky that you didn't go to prison for it. <laughs> yeah, but then there's extremes. Mm-hmm. It's like people make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. So like, why are we going crazy on them for making a mistake? Like, yeah, the person apologizes and owns up to it. Like, what do you? People go to prison and yeah. they get let out. Do they have redemption? Are they mm-hmm. are they okay now? I mean, to people's eyes, the average person, like, yeah, yeah, they paid their dues. But to the government, they get branded with that felony. Yeah, the ex-convict. Yeah. They they can get a job at Subway, and mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah, like you're, you, it's so hard for them to get and back it's like into they, it. They might have got an education in there that they never would have got if yeah. they wouldn't went. And it's like it's so crazy, especially. I mean, because there's people. 
like there aren't I can't, I can't say there are too many people that, like there wasn't like a, a local genius like someone that I'm like this person is literally like this is a 10 year old that I know is a prodigy in something mm-hmm. and like they could have been this 20 times over but they're not just because of where we live and how much money they have mm-hmm. but there was like there was an, in, an instant um where we were just we were sitting on the porch and this little kid he's like maybe 13 tops like I mean 13 might even be pushing it like he's probably closer to 10 just a big kid and he's got you know he looks like everyone else in the neighborhood that sags and stuff and's got got a baseball cap and maybe like a hoodie on and stuff and uh, like a zip hoodie and uh, he just walks up and he's like smoking a black and mild but you can tell how old he is like he, like he hasn't hit puberty yet. And like just the way he talks, you're like, oh man, this kid is younger than I am. But he's like, but you could still tell in his voice that he'd been through stuff, and just like he had this maturity about him at the same. It was like this maturity and this and this confidence in himself. But you knew how old he was. And then like we're just sitting there messing around, and I think they just, a couple of them just started freestyling. Well, then this kid starts freestyling, and I mean he goes like 15 minutes straight, and I mean literally like I was just like. What just happened? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's one of those instances where, like, if I could go back and pluck that kid and record him, like, we could have been sitting here listening to some kid that could have went on to be, like, one of the best rappers of all time. Mm. And, like, he just did it. It was so flawless and so effortless. And it was, like, he did it, but he didn't even know how good he was. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, between 10 and 13. And it was, like, literally, like, even to this day, like I don't remember what he said, but it was one of those things you'll never, you'll never forget. Just aspects of what had just happened, and I mean, it was like it was like someone playing, and it was like a prodigy of like an instrument, and you're just like, how, like how are you, how are you playing this so so well? You know what I'm saying? Like you sound like an adult, like like when I've sat in church and there was a ten year old playing a drum set, and literally you're just like you can't even reach the cymbal. And but yet you're sitting over there hitting up. You're sitting in a pocket, and I mean even the adults at this church I go to don't even hit, use the full kit. You're using the full kit, can barely reach it, and I mean you're 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 controlling what the your dad who's the organist and like your uncle that's singing. You're the one timing this out and running the show, and you you have to keep looking over because you're just like, this is a professional drummer. This kid is ten. Mm-hmm. Like and I mean that kid same situation and you're just like what is going on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no it's the world is full of talented people yeah they get overlooked you know there's only so much room at the top mm-hmm. it's really sad I'm very much over and sick and tired of people saying like putting others on a pedestal mm-hmm. it's like we should just you know raise everybody up because this yeah. pedestal nonsense it's not there's no longevity in it to just like Mm. praising these these demigods you know mm-hmm. these people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars they're so talented it's like are they they're just good at what they do there's millions of people that are good at what they yeah. do yeah. there's just not enough room the system does not it's not designed to have a bunch of people being up there mm-hmm. whether it's work mm-hmm. whether it's arts whether it's film music it's a really uh strange pyramid yeah and the bottom is it's 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 a great you know it's analogous to how our society is structured. There's people at the top who have all the money, and then you know there's us working class keeping it that foundation tight. Yeah. And in the music industry, there's people like you and me just getting by, just doing it. 
and and there's the people at the top that just have all of that money and wealth and notoriety and mm-hmm. followers and plays, and everyone like treats them like there's these gods or something. There's yeah. someone important. It's like they're important, but just as important as you and I. Yeah. Like they're gonna die too. Yeah. And in a thousand years, they are no one's gonna know who that is. Yeah, it's like yes, that person has had six heart transplants, <laughs> but they have billions of dollars. That's <laughs> the only reason why. Yeah, it's, it's like you should have died three times ago. <laughs> yeah, but you have a lot of money, so you can just keep kicking kicking it you know yeah, it's yeah i just have a hard time with that pedal still now no tr- trust you know? me because i i agree because it's just like and i mean for me it's like like people are like oh why don't you try out for the voice or 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 uh, american idol and i was like i thought about like american idol when the first came out i loved it mm-hmm. and then like i just got away from it at some point because i was just like ah like it's like it's cool but then i'm like like the era, you know, like I grew up on gospel, but then like my favorite, like if I could go back to a time period musically, like for myself, like don't get me wrong, because if it was just like to experience stuff, I would have loved to have been like quantum leaping through life, like just to go, I want to go see Jimi Hendrix. I want to go, you know, go see Beethoven play like live, you know, but, but like if I could go back somewhere and be an artist, like it would probably have been like, what is it? Like, I don't know, the seventies, like when the temptations in them. Like, like Motown, yeah, like late sixties. Like, yeah, when when Motown was in that pocket of just doing what they were, the damage they did to music in a good mm-hmm. way, like yeah. just like yeah, like because even I probably wouldn't have been a solo artist, but I mean just like and I can't even dance, but my thing is I would have figured out how to dance to be in one of those guy groups, yeah. and I mean even even the nineties, like it'd have been dope to be in like a one of those like guy groups, like I mean a boys like boys to men, like gosh yeah, and I mean even like like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, there's plenty of songs that I loved from those guys. Yeah. I didn't love all of them. A lot of them good singers. Yeah, yeah, naturally. Yeah. yeah, and I mean Justin Timberlake's like a really dope artist. Like I don't I I, I I'm starting like I'm not a music. St- snob like but like mainstream music and just like less and less of it like i still have artists that like that i listen to that people will show me because i don't i don't listen to radio spotify is there Bandcamp's there so i'm just like i'll li- and most of the time i put on stuff that i know already unless a friend's like hey check this out you're gonna love it i already know you will mm-hmm. and otherwise everything else that i come that i find is just something like i was passing on a channel and i was like oh what's this song, you know, or, or it was in a movie or, mm. or just, or by chance scrolling through Facebook, the video started playing and I heard something and I'm like, oh yeah, I love that. Let me check your music out. Um, but it's like, and it's like, I, but I don't, I don't treat people wrong. Like with, oh, like my, my lady's dad, like I can't stand some of his music. Like, it's just cause like some days he'll just play like nothing but like, I don't know, eighties rock or so, like, or like he listened to a lot of butt rock, which people say. And it's like, and it's like I don't hate on it because there's some some What's butt rock. I, I really don't know, but I want to. I want that. Well, it's like I w- I think they just classify like like mainstream rock. Mm-hmm. I think that's what like like say, um, like some people. I think some people would call like like not necessarily shine down, but stuff like that. Like some of the like. Uh, I, I think like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, because it's like generic. I don't, type of rock like probably the 90s rock and roll like matchbox 20 yeah, and like yeah, stuff yeah. like that but the nowadays not the yeah. not the original matchbox 20 stuff because mm-hmm. like i think everyone kind of even if you didn't love them you could get down with it mm-hmm. but then like nowadays like like say oh i'm trying to think it's of the very perfect. like generic corny rock and roll yeah, one it's that and then i think it's just the sound because it's like Especially nowadays, mainstream, oh, who is it? Like, Five Finger Death Punch. That's what some people will definitely call, like, butt rock or whatever. Okay. And I think it's just it so much, like, like yes, Five Finger Death Punch, like, has their sound. But then there's, like, a ton of bands that'll just copy that sound. 
And it's like, that's why they'll never make it big because mm-hmm. they just sound like another five finger death punch where mm-hmm. it's as like shine down. Like, you know, yeah, like, like if people put them on the same pedestal, like I, I like shine down. I never like five finger death punch, but I'm like, whatever people like what they like. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, sometimes like, <laughs> it's so funny because he'll like, there'll be an artist that I've heard or like they had a hit song like six months ago and, and he'll be like, Oh, have you heard this person? I'm like, Yes, George. Like, and it's like he just saw him on like uh, CMA or whatever. So that's why he's just now because that's what he'll. That's where he gets a lot of his music from. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just like, that's why they're there, George. They've been popular for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like, and I mean, that's and that's just his. That's just where he goes. You know, he goes to the radio or like goes to that. And I mean, it's the mainstream. And it's just like me. It's like I like some of it, but most of it I don't like because it's just like. Mainstream is a little sterile sometimes. Yeah. It's trying to make it palatable for, for everybody, but mm-hmm. it missed the mark a lot. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, it's like, it's sad because I like, like I've had to protect him sometimes because I have buddies that they're like, like he's like, oh, this person's the greatest guitarist in the world. Even though I know, I'm like, and I, I don't know who the greatest guitarist in the world is. But it's like, I have my friends that literally, you know, they'll go see jam, like like the biggest jam bands in the world. Or like, like one of my friends, he does like photography and stuff and he'll like go to festivals out east and stuff all the time and like there was uh river roots that we used to have in the quad cities like right off the river they had like i remember i think one of the last years they had it um it was like blues traveler was there and like a bunch of other people like there was who was uh vintage trouble they were they were coming up like pretty solid at that point like they had just played i think uh like jay leno or something crazy Mm -hmm. at that point um and like he used to help that festival and, and and situational stuff, but then he's like also this the friend that like like he used he lived in the Quad Cities. Well, he would go see shows like he'd go to North Carolina like overnight or something or like for the weekend. And like his sister, I think, worked for the airline and retired. Well, she has all her miles for from working, so like she'll just give him you know give him miles to go fly somewhere. So he's not paying her for a plane ticket. He's got so many friends that he's made back wherever he's going. And it's like usually like he'll go to Nashville or or a major city. Well, he knows someone there already. So he'll sleep on their couch or whatever, or he'll just get a hotel room for, you know, a couple of days or whatever. Well, he didn't even pay for half the stuff he had to, you know, possibly pay for. Mm-hmm. And so like, so he's like, and, and he's not even going to see a mainstream band. Like it's someone I've never heard of. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, but then I look him up and I'm like, or I see a video of them live and I'm like, oh, I've never heard of them, but they're playing in front of like a thousand people. And mm-hmm. more than likely if you're paying and I mean they're the headliner, so yeah. you can be an opener and people might not know you, but and it's just like one day I was like, Hey, he's okay. Like I messaged him, I was like, Hey, yes, I agree. That guitarist is amazing. Cause he's like, No, he's not. He's like listing off like five or six different names, and it's not like Carlos Santana types and like household names and stuff, you know. Like I think trucks. Uh, I don't. I don't know that. I know some of their music. Uh, what is that band? I can't remember. But I, I'm sure someone out there you'll they'll know from just that me saying trucks. But I can't remember. But uh, but yeah, he listed him and then other people and stuff. It becomes a preference thing. Though. Yeah. Like like a good guitar player, a good singer. It's mm-hmm. like sure, but really, it's just like a subjective preference, a yeah. style. Some people there's some guitar players that are so trained and so technical and so precise and mm-hmm. I, it does nothing for me yeah because there's, there's no feeling in it there's no, and there's some that are just really experimental and sloppy and do really cool stuff make wild sounds and I love that stuff. yeah but that's my preference like I yeah. like that there's some people who want to see someone who could just 
play that thing like a robot, mm-hmm. and they are precise with their tapping. They don't hit one out of key note. Yeah, and I'm just like boring. Like, yeah, like give yeah. me that feel. <laughs> give me the real human mess ups and just the. That dark place they go to where they're just going, they're wailing. Their yeah. eyes are closed and, and what happens, happens. And that's what I want. Like, I don't I don't want that perfect thing. I don't, it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. It becomes a preference thing. That's why I don't even go down those rabbit holes, those yeah. arguments. I'm like, dude, whatever makes, whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> you know, when you wake up in the morning, do you have a smile on your face? Like, the, whatever it takes to get to that mm-hmm. is all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, because me, and like you said, with, with the imperfections of performances, like, I love that because it's like, especially when it's an idol of mine, like vocalist mm-hmm. or just, I love this song. And it's like, even though, yeah, it's like, it's not even like, like sometimes there are mistakes, but then other times it's just what they changed from the original recording. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's live because, yeah, I didn't do that before. Or you literally brought in this guest artist to come play and they're playing their style and their sound and adding this whole, and you're just like, oh, like there's um, Spotify. I always come to... Paramore, you you listen in the middle. I I don't know who they are, but I know okay. Who um, they have a they have a song called Hallelujah. Well, they do the uh, I can't remember who. I heard there was a secret. Oh, the cover, the Leonard Cohen cover. Yeah, well, they Jeff Buckley cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember who. Leonard Leonard Cohen original. That's what I thought. Jeff Buckley cover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and like they'll they there's a live set they it might have actually been somewhere in Chicago they might have played that I think the versions from I could be wrong. But or that or Boston, one of the two. Um, they open they they open up and do like the first verse, and they get to the Hallelujah, and then they transition into their song, mm. and it's just it's just it's so dope. I mean, it's it's because the live because even when they get to the chorus, she just cuts out. Uh, Haley cuts out, and it's just the crowd singing it, doing the Hallelujahs, and then the guitar comes in and just does its thing, and I'm just like, beautiful. Yeah, and it's just. That that little aspect of things, I mean, it's it's a live show, so you know that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like that type of stuff. It's like you can't. I mean, you can they can replicate it as much as they want to, but it'll never be the same exact because you ain't never gonna have that same exact crowd. Yeah, like you might have those diehard fans that follow you to all your shows, which is I mean hard to do, especially now. But people got money. Yeah, <laughs> or they have a job that it's like follow this band around. Yeah. Hey, you work for Rolling Stone. Go on their whole tour. Yeah, no, there's always those people that are, like, obsessed with the band that will follow on the world. I can't get to that place, but... Yeah. It's like, I could I could see doing, like, three or four, and it's like, don't get me wrong, or if, or if it's, like, a best friend type thing. Yeah, if I know But, like, them. when you don't know them, <laughs> yeah, that's that, a It's lot. a whole other obsessive hobby that yeah. I can't understand. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I forgot to plug in my uncle who made this, an artist. I always have different artwork mm-hmm. every oh, uh, the- episode. And this is my uncle Dan, who is uh, he just does a lot of illustration and, and mm-hmm. drawing, and just for fun on the side. I've had this forever. He gave this to me like d- a decade ago or so. Nice. And I just wanted to promote it and sell it. Dan Bauer, not sell it, sell it like look yeah, at yeah, it, not physically. Hey, sell check it. out my uncle. <laughs> yeah, he just a lot of people in my family are really creative and artistic. They just don't really talk about it much. So yeah, they keep it. They yeah. keep it to themselves, but yeah, I think it's great. I think no, it's really yeah, cool. That's, there's a lot and it's of just a side thing. That. Yeah, side hobby. He's really yeah. in the nature, and it's been there the whole the last. I think we've been going for three hours. Nice. I think so. <laughs> oh yeah, it has been. It has nice. been. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up now. Okay. If you want to plug your music, plug anything you want to sure. before we end. Uh yeah. Uh, Soul True. Um, 
on most social media. I would appreciate it if y'all follow. Um, I follow back most of the time. Sometimes I miss them. Um, check out stuff on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, it's S-O-U-L-T-R-U, all one word. Um, definitely check that out because, I mean, if there's people out there in the Quad Cities that don't know my sound or, or what we do or people, once the world opens back up, I'm going to get back out there touring and stuff. So, like, you never know. I'll come through. And if you, you, you find out about me on the podcast, mention that and we'll, you know, shoot this stuff, have a yeah. beer, you know, whatever. But it was a pleasure to have you. Thank and you. Thank man. you for I, sharing your stories. There's no a lot of heavy stuff there, my friend. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's yeah. real. It's human. Yeah. Like, well, and it helps me too. Plus, I know, like, situationally, like, there's been times where I've I've had a show. Like, there's not often, but there's been like two or three shows where someone like was like, "Dude, I connected with this song because my mom has. I grew up the way you did. My mom was schizophrenic." And this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And, like, literally, I think we talked for, like, an hour. Mm-hmm. Because it was, like, it was one of those things I was, like, man, like, let me hear your story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and let's share stuff and just, like, vent to each other. Because yeah. that's what we were doing, you know. Being honest and yeah. open. People can relate. And, you and you know. Not feeling alone. Because, I yeah, mean, that's. You're not the only one. Exactly. Exactly. So, thank you for that yeah. honesty and yeah. transparency and. All day. Thank you for coming earlier for doing <laughs> those videos. For sure. Thank you. Great Thank singer, you. great Thank songwriter. You. Keep doing it, my friend. Oh, for sure. Um Long again, as I can. <laughs> yeah, please do. And again, everyone check out Soul True on, on everything. Uh Terrence, take care, my friend. Thank you, man. All right, bye. All right, brother.